this? St. Patrick's Day? Nah, it's Big Green Day. On today's Howard Stern Show, Howard welcomes back four-time Grammy Award winners and rock icons, Green Day. You know, when a band comes in, especially a band as big as Green Day. Oh, my God. <laughs> I get charged up. What do they call that? An, uh, Iowa caucus. Boy, that was some result. How do you... How do you vote for uh, someone who's actually been convicted of fraud? <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> I don't know what planet I'm on. I, I don't want you to write me letters about your politics, but... Uh, it is an American nightmare. But I'm trying to keep my uh, hopes up and... Um, I'm thrilled that uh, Jimmy, uh, I mean, sorry, I'm out of it. I'm thrilled that uh, Green Day is coming in. Uh, I like those guys a lot. I love Green Day. That's why I celebrate them with uh, Great American Nightmare and uh, Green Day mashed up. Green Day's new album, uh, Saviors, is coming out this Friday. The boys said, hey. Want to come in, perform a couple of tunes for you guys. Uh, in fact, I think it's the 30th anniversary of their classic album, Dookie. Can you believe 30 really? years ago that? Yeah. Really? 30 years really? ago. Yeah, that is insane. 1994. Got, wow. What a mind blowing album that was. Remember, man? I mean, the hits just kept on coming. 
I mean, what an album. Jesus Christ. That's why I love the 90s. You had uh, Green Day, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. You had Smashing Pumpkins. It was a whole revitalization of music. Uh, love this band. Love these guys. I got to remember to ask him, too. The be- I, I always do, but uh, I still like going over it. I still can't believe what I saw. I saw them in concert uh, back in the 90s, and I'm standing on the side of the stage. I was given access backstage because I think I was either introducing. I wasn't introducing the show, but I don't know what I was doing back there. But those two guys, I mean, those three guys were beating the shit out of each other backstage <laughs> before they went on. It was a ritual like I'd never seen. And then they started like running to a wall and climbing the wall like i, I wow. never saw and i'm like they're gonna burn out before they even hit the stage i <laughs> never saw it was fucking frightening i wonder if the, i guess my question is are they still doing that i can't oh, imagine i it. hope not they might hurt themselves <laughs> yeah be in the hospital it was like green day fight club i'm not kidding and it was like kind of frightening to be near wow and i thought to myself those guys you know they First of all, I've never had that much energy in my life. Never. <laughs> I've never, I've never experienced having that outburst of energy, especially before I had to do a major thing, like my job. <laughs> and, uh, wow, it was just something to see. And I thought they were so frightening. And then I thought this ritual, I think it serves the purpose of keeping everyone backstage away from them. And oh, it, God. it, yeah, and it, it forces them to focus on the, on the, each other. Hmm. But I was like scared of them. You know who was really scared of Green Day was David Letterman. I remember, um, it's so, you know, Trey Cool is their drummer. He's a fabulous drummer. I think a very, I don't want to say underrated. I don't think anybody thinks he's not good, but I don't think you hear his name enough when it comes to really good powerhouse drummers. And uh, he used to do this thing on Letterman. I got to ask them about this, too. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm having a rough day because um, I didn't get any sleep last night. I don't know what's going on. Oh. I just couldn't sleep. And I was upset. And I, yeah, I'm like, oh, I got to go interview Green Day. And I got to do a radio show. And I still got this uh, residual cough from COVID. So I'm just worn out and exhausted from it and phlegmy and gross. So. Forgive me, it might not be a great show. You might want to tune out. Because I'll be doing no, this the whole show. Green Day. <clears throat> <clears throat> I got to do this the whole show. <clears throat> I mean, and, you and then by... be Gary. You'll live in Gary's life. Yeah, and then by 10 or 11 o'clock, I should, my chest should be on fire from doing that. Uh, yeah, it's just too much for me anymore. Green Day will be great, much. though. Yeah, it's getting to be You want to quit now? You know you have a clock. Um, pull the plug at any time. I know. I'm thinking about it. I don't want to, but like on days like today when I don't feel well, I don't want to come in. You know what I mean? I want to be at my best. I want to be top notch. So, but fuck it. I'm just whining. Do you have the time to listen to me whine? <laughs> One of the greatest lines in rock and roll. But anyway, 30 years of Dookie. And then I think it's the 20th anniversary of American Idiot. Oh, yeah. You can check me on that, but I'm pretty sure. So, lot to celebrate. An American idiot. Holy fuck! And you're talking about an album that's so good. 
And and uh, you know how many bands can keep coming up with great albums like that? Album. Well, we talk no? all the time about the person who did one great song, right? And their new album, which I've been spending time with, is so fucking good. They're going to do a song from the new album. I don't want to give it all away, but I relate to it so much. It is absolutely my pain that I feel in this song. It is, and it's a good, catchy fucking song. So the boys are going to do a couple of tunes. We'll celebrate their career as we always do when they come in. I think they've been on the show like maybe six times already. Over the years. Yeah, over the years, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're great. Very excited to have Green Day, an American idiot. I mean, they're unbelievable. Hey, Jimmy's coming down across the alleyway. Boom. Here comes the rain again. Wake me up when September ends. I mean, my God, what a band. Fuck. Ridiculous, those guys. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to them about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness. On what's uh, really a depressing day, honestly. What's going on with my country? Oh wow, Jimmy Fallon's here, good pal. I'm always ah. you always put me you always put me oh. in a good mood. Howard, How you doing? oh Howard, Howard, oh I'm so pumped for Green Day, buddy. Oh my God, I I sing Barry Manilow to relax, but I sing Green Day. What I wanna <laughs> punch him all, hit it. Jimmy, you're pumped up for the Green Day appearance. You love oh, music as much wait. as I do. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait. I haven't slept at all. You said you haven't slept, Howard. I haven't slept. I've been in your basement the whole time, buddy. <laughs> Oh, you're still here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you have the time to listen to me do a very low impression? <laughs> you, uh, you're an amazing guy. You wake up so energized. and uh, I haven't even slept, I, Howard. I didn't even wake up. I haven't slept, Howard. <laughs> oh, so you haven't, you haven't woken up yet. You're, you're still awake from yesterday. I'm still awake from this weekend, buddy. I'm buzzing off your birthday. I have 47 cups of coffee. I don't even need sleep. And Green Day is everywhere. I just read. I, oh, you're doing another song. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, 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 I walk along. I've been awake for 72 <laughs> okay. hours, buddy. I'm going to die, buddy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I read that on your show, you busked with Green Day in the subway yesterday in New York. Oh, my God. Right? Howard, yeah. I, yeah. We were there last night. It was crazy. The rats, they were mosh pitting. It was unbelievable, buddy. I wish you were there. You should have been there. It was so great. Well, you always put me in a good mood. Thank you, pal. Do you have the time to listen to me do another Barry Manilow impression? Oh, come on. Oh, this is so great. How could you be down, Howard? This is so perfect. You got Green Day. You're alive. Wait, wait a minute. I'm alive. I'm here. <laughs> wait, I'm going to shut the door. <laughs> Whoa. You do wonder what Jimmy Fallon sounds like when he's not well. Um I I don't I don't think he ever is sick. I I think he just is 
on fire. <laughs> His Barry Manilow impression that he did here at my house. That was funny. That was great. Speaking of great, I got a gift for my birthday. Aside from what Robin gets me, who she's not, she goes way over top. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta have a detente, you and I, on the uh, birthday. I know, dialing back. Let's go back. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, uh, we get down to a card and maybe, um, just an I love you. You know what I mean? Let's dial it back. Let, let's have a real conversation about that. Yes, a real, uh, we, this could be the conversation, Howard. Could it? Cause look, but we have to stick to it. You can't embarrass me by getting me a gift. And if I, and then I don't get you a gift. <laughs> but I think the greatest gift that you and I could give to each other is to say, look, we've given each other everything. We love each other very much. I think that's apparent. Uh, I mean, I, I'll tell you what Robin, Robin bought me Epstein Island, uh, for my birthday. <laughs> well, uh, I think we need to <laughs> knock down the house. You don't want those bad memories, but we can. Build oh, something. no. Uh, <laughs> all I want is bad wow. memories. Um, no, but Robin and I go over the top for each other. I think that's fair to say. And I always want to get her something meaningful for Christmas and birthday. And, but it's become, you know, geez, difficult. And, uh, and, and not that, uh, it's a bad thing, but I think the greatest gift we could give each other is if we said, listen, let's, I don't know, but maybe you're not on board with that. Maybe you want to just keep escalating to the point that we're <laughs> buying each other our homes or something where you know where, where, where are you at with this i don't want to be the one calling the shots no i i i don't know what to say i like giving gifts yeah uh but i don't want to put anybody in a bad situation you know i find myself having to uh, dial it back in a lot of situ, you know, a lot of different instances because I get, I go too far. Like maybe what we ought to do is like, um, whatever your favorite charity is or whatever my favorite charity, we give each other like, and not even some exorbitant amount of money, but a, no, like a, a token to amount of money. Yeah. Um, cause the way you're going with this conversation sounds like I'm stuck. We're going to, we're going to be keep escalating. <laughs> No, you know, we should not escalate. We should not escalate. Yeah, I. But uh, Robin, um, he always gets me these very meaningful and, quite frankly, expensive gifts, and uh, I do feel very loved, and it's very nice. But I also feel, you know, bad, and 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 we spend so much money on each other that uh, poor Fred. We only bought him a coffee cup when it came to his <laughs> birthday. We had no money left for him. It was it was broken. Oh, we got cherish it from it forever. A garage sale. Yeah, yeah, a broken coffee cup. <laughs> It's more for show, but you know, it's, uh, I gotta tell you, this was so meaningful. You'll like this, Robin, Adam Levine of Maroon 5. Oh, he gave Mr. Adam Levine. Yeah. He, he's such a sweetheart. He, he, you know, uh, at my, at my 60th birthday party, he came and played Purple Rain. It's one of the most viewed videos that we have up on the Howard Stern page on YouTube. Uh-huh. And it is an uh, amazing it, rendition if you haven't heard it. Yeah, everyone who sees it goes, "Oh, whoa." And Adam himself has said to me, "You know, it was one of those moments where everything came together and it was one of the best moments of my career, standing on the stage playing Purple Rain because it just sounded so good and 
people were blown away. They didn't really know that Adam is a, an expert guitar player, like a phenomenal, not, not like a good sort of guy who just plays chords. He was shredding up there doing Purple Rain. It was just, and he was right on, you know, with the vocal and everything else. It was insane. And if you've never seen the I clip. I think even Prince would have liked it. I think, I want to say, was Prince still alive when he did it? Because I don't know. I think, I think the story might even be that Prince gave him a thumbs up about it. But I'm not oh. sure. I could be wrong on that. Okay. But but anyway, so Adam was playing a, I, I hope I'm right with this, a Fender Stratocaster the night he did that. And the Fender Stratocaster he was playing <clears throat> was the Fender that uh, he has had his whole life. He's He learned how to play guitar on it. It is his most wow. prized guitar, this Fender. And... um Really, it's the most meaningful. In fact, if you ever look at it closely on that video, you'll see it's pretty beat up. Yeah, okay. Uh, Prince died in 2016. The birthday show was 2014. I think Adam might have told me that Prince gave him a thumbs up on it. I think. But I could be wrong. Anyway, if you take a look at that video, the tele the Stratocaster he's playing is very beaten up, very worn down. There's even writing on it and there's stickers and things. You know, it's it's his history with the guitar. So Adam um, came by and he said to me, Howard, I want you to have my guitar. And I said, no, absolutely not. I, I don't. I, 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 this is your whole history. I, and I don't play guitar. I mean, I can play a little. I don't play well. I shouldn't. He goes, no, I learned something a long time ago. He said, first of all, when I did that, I, this is what the one I did Purple Rain on. And it was such a great moment. And you've been a big supporter of my career. And I learned a long time ago, if something brings you a lot of joy, give it to someone and pass that joy along. And I went, what the, f who are you, fucking Buddha Jr.? Yeah. Wait a minute. Is he some kind of a, he's becoming a yeah. guru or something. I said, that's the opposite of my philosophy. <laughs> I'm holding on to anything that brings me joy. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I, I said, I can't accept this. And he said, no, this is your guitar. I want you to have it. I said, well, you know, I've been thinking about playing guitar more and maybe taking a few lessons he says, well, go learn on this. This is what I learned on. And so I've got Adam's guitar, his, his Fender uh, Strat. So now and are you committed to learning? Look, I, you know, it's a lot of pressure on me. I, you know, I don't have a lot of free time between this job and me trying to learn to paint. And then I got the wife, the kids, you know, I, I want, you know, like family stuff. I mean. But I w if I could take a half hour a day and practice guitar, maybe I could get decent enough that I would be satisfied with my guitar playing. But I don't know at this point in my life if it's worth it. Look at this. Adam's Purple Rain on our show has over 76 million views on YouTube. That's wow. how popular it is. 76 million views. Quite frankly, it should be triple that. It's that good. But that's that's a, an amazing amount. Yeah. Steve, you're a guitar expert. So is Fred. Do you know anything about this uh, Adams 
guitar that uh, I should know? I mean, I, I feel strange even having it. What can you tell me, Steve? Yeah, the second I saw that guitar at uh, your birthday show, I freaked out and I'm like, I instantly had so much more respect for him as a guitarist. Like I had never known that he could shred like that. And seeing that he has a Floyd Rose tremolo and a humbucker on it, like straight up Eddie Van Halen style is that is the most badass guitar that you have. In other words, he took his uh, Stratocaster and augmented it. He, he, he put in a different pickup and he put in a different tremolo bar. Yeah, so it has the uh, the Floyd Rose with the locking nut. So basically, you so can, it doesn't like, go out of tune. Yeah, and you can bring the guitar down to like the point where the strings are like off the guitar, like this. Oh, wow! And then when it comes back up, you're in perfect tuning. My vey. I mean, what am I doing with that? I mean, I feel funny with it, but he 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 insisted, and he. He dropped it off and said, that's it. It's your guitar. Uh, I you know, think oh my... I, I could teach you how to do, you know, the Eddie Van Halen. The... I could teach yeah. you to do that in under two minutes. If you picked up one of the guitars behind you right now, yeah. I swear you could learn how to do it. Set a time for 120 seconds. Two minutes. You well, can do two it. minutes I've got. If, 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 <laughs> if I can learn to play like Eddie Van Halen in two minutes, you're a good teacher. You're going to be my teacher. That's what I need. I need to be Eddie Van Halen in two minutes. It's the simplest thing. It's only three notes. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to put the clock on, and if two minutes I can't do it, you're fired. How's that? So that'll be... (laughs) (laughs) Let's hope you can do it. (laughs) You know what I've been watching? down to let's hope. (laughs) It's so funny. I've been having fantasies of learning how to play guitar. I mean, kids who learn today, they have all these uh, aids because uh, there's... I looked up on the Internet. I I made the mistake of looking up one thing. I looked up, gee, guitar teachers in my area. Well, now... Uh, every time I go on Facebook, Instagram, anything with an advertisement, it's like, hey, get the new Gibson app. It'll teach you how to play guitar in 10 minutes. And then there's another one that goes, get this app. You'll know how to play the guitar in a week. And then the other one goes, don't listen to the other ads. They're all bullshit. You, you know, forget scales. Forget, uh, forget all the stuff you've, le- you will be playing better chords and leads in, in a week. And I'm like, what the fuck? So now I'm searching. I look up these apps and then you read the reviews. People write, this is bullshit. I still can't play. I got this app. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, but, but they make you a promise. They're like, you'll have groupies by lunchtime. Don't worry. Chicks will be blowing you uh, backstage in a month. <laughs> it's crazy. But, uh, Oh, my God. Yeah. You'll be like Led Zeppelin in a week. <laughs> You'll be fucking chicks You'll with an octopus. You'll be going on tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think if you just learned the basics, if you had someone teach you the... Yeah. Like something like that. It, it's yeah, so I can simple. do that. And then like like buy a wah that? pedal. Yeah. Just buy a wah pedal and get a loud amp and just, just literally go... Like you'll just start having fun with it and pick it up. You don't have to. Well, let me ask you something. It's not. Shouldn't I learn? Shouldn't I learn on an acoustic guitar? 
rather than a uh, electric guitar? They say that. I would say no. Acoustic's no fun. It's just chords and stuff. Like the electric it's is it's just loud. Yeah, like I'd when like I first to... picked up a guitar at twelve, I literally would just go like this. <laughs> and yeah, I was I would like, like, this is cool. That. Yeah, that's a how soon pedal. Steve, how soon before I'll be good enough to be having orgies backstage as an opening act? <laughs> Two minutes if you learn the Van Halen wow. tapping. Yeah. Uh, how long before I'm on the cover of Guitar World magazine? Could it, could I accomplish that pretty quickly? I think you know it what could I be want really to do cool because if you got you know what my fantasy like, is, you know yep. what my fantasy is. I want to go to um, Los Angeles, go to Norman's Guitars, that guitar shop, and like go demo some guitars and like blow everyone away. I don't even want to go on tour. I don't even want to go say. I just want to go to that guy Norman's Guitar Center and like look through the guitars and jam. You know what I mean? Those videos are the best. Like Post Malone goes there and. He'll pick up an yeah. SG and just fucking shred on it. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm probably not going to, you know, will I get to a pussy destroying level of competence <laughs> where girls want me? I don't think so. But uh, I'd like to I'd like to get to the level where Metallica opens up for me. If you know what I mean? Oh, my. <laughs> That's not too high. Well, like I, I, I saw Lars. I saw Lars and I said, Lars, um, I'm going to start playing guitar pretty soon. So I might want to do a number with you boys next time you, you're touring. He goes, yeah, man, that'd be cool. <clears throat> well, well, a lot of people would let you up on stage. Mm -hmm. You could go join anybody. Yeah, that's happened. <clears throat> and it's a disaster every time. Excuse me. <clears throat> Green Day better get here soon because my voice is going to be gone. Oh, dear. Yeah, I'm telling you. Having a hard day. I didn't get enough sleep. But for Tukas, we could be like the Almond Brothers. We could do uh, the way they synchronize guitars, you know? Exactly. The Almond Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> They're named after a nut. <laughs> yeah. All right, Steve. Thanks. I talk to you some more, but I can't talk. Yeah, so I'm sitting here well, with Adam Levine's. He, uh, he might, he might be your teacher. That Steve. You know, <laughs> don't listen to him. We'd be doing Eddie Van Halen in five minutes, in two minutes, two minutes. I'll be Eddie Van Halen. He's better than those ads. <laughs> this is horrible. I want to go back to bed. Uh, Nick, go ahead in uh, Pennsylvania. What's going now, Howard? Hey, now. Uh, I just want to say first, uh, I got two suggestions for you, but uh, thank you so much. I'm in the military. I've been in 15 years. I want to say thank you guys for uh, joining me on this 15-year tour. I'll have to thank mm. you when I retire. You and Robin have been uh, with me the whole way. You, Robin, and Fred have been with me this whole entire time. And uh, Are you uh, are you calling from Iraq right now? Because your phone sounds like it. Did make that better for you, Howard? Is that better? <laughs> it's actually worse. worse. Oh, that's oh, worse. Man. What did you do? Oh, no. Run over? <laughs> Run well, he's probably on a he's probably on a walkie-talkie. <laughs> there we go. Is that fucking better, COVID. Uh, <laughs> yeah, better? I guess. Yeah, Sorry much better. Yeah. Um, so, uh... <laughs> you know what happened, Robin? His phone was probably hit by a missile. Yeah, yeah. This guy's in the yeah, military. <laughs> um, he's probably so... fighting. Um, 
somewhere. I don't even know where we're fighting. Or who, whoever Hoofies. Out there. <laughs> He's fighting those hoofy dudes. <laughs> he just hit his phone. That's funny. Are you in Yemen? Uh, no, I'm not in Yemen. I'm actually, I'm actually stateside. So, oh. thankfully not. Well, no action there. over here. No. Action oh, soon there will be. I'm yeah, sure of I mean, it. Yeah. I don't know how much longer, but. Um, I so think in this country, guys, people will be killing each other pretty soon, sadly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, so two suggestions. Um, one for your uh, COVID cough. I've uh, used this uh, thing called Fishman's Friend. It's a cough suppressant, but it does have an, any bullshit, no added sugars, nothing like that. But it is. Well, I would be fine. I just have to project into a radio show. Though. I'll be okay. I just got to. But maybe Fishman's Friend can help you. Uh, I don't want you want to know it? I don't want Fishman's friend. I really don't. It, no offense. It doesn't taste like fisherman, fisherman like that. It, it's just straight menthol. No, it's not like calls all that added stuff. Um, and my other suggestion, right. I, I've actually used the uh, the guitar app, one of the guitar apps, uh, to help me. Uh, I've been playing since I was twelve, and I want something to kind of get me back to uh, instead of just you know aimlessly playing songs and not really yeah. learning. And I downloaded the app, and I'm, I was actually really surprised on how it actually developed me. And uh, kept me too. So maybe even if just downloading it might actually get you to fiddle around with it for a couple hours. All right, I'll, I, maybe I'm going to try one of them. Uh, what's the name of your app? I use a uh, musician and uh, musician. It, All right, yeah. Thank Metallica you. actually backed it. They uh, they have songs through Metallica where they walk you through a Metallica song. Um, I Excellent. Think they, they sponsor it. All right, Nick. Thanks, pal, and thank you. Thank you so much, service. guys. Love you guys. Thank Love you, you Howard. Love you, Robin. Thank Love you. Love this guy. Fifteen year military guy, Nick. They had some guy on the news, these um, MAGA, MAGA, whatever it is, guys saying, they're interviewing people who voted in Iowa. And one guy goes, you know, we need a dictator. I, I really hate to say it, but I really do think we need a dictator. And his choice for dictator is uh, Donald Trump. It's fucking nuts. I mean, I listen to, imagine an American saying they want a dictator. I gotta play this clip. You want to be why depressed. did we take civics out of the schools? Why did my parents' generation bother fighting the Nazis for these morons? Good lord! But we don't teach anybody down. what this country's about <clears throat> anymore. You know, there you some things can't be taught at home. Ma'am, uh, Michael Shore from the Young Turks, which is some sort of website, spoke to two Trump supporters in Iowa. Who believe they want Trump to become the dictator of America? They want a dictator. Listen to this. I think somebody's goofing on me. You know, you don't have to like the words that come out of the man's mouth, but sometimes in life we all need a good paddling from the principle to to set our life. No, we don't. Paddling is a bad idea from anybody. Don't humiliate me. I don't need a paddling from a principle. Fuck you. Fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. I need a paddling from the principal. And the principal? That's who you chose for the principal? You know what we need? We need to throw stones at women who get raped. Maybe we need to do that. Why not? If you need a paddling to get your life together, can you just get one and leave us out of it? I'm the right track in this country. Uh, Here, I'll play it. I'll start it again. You know, you don't have to like the words that come out of the man's mouth but sometimes in life we all need 
a good paddling from the principal to, to <laughs> set our life on the right track. Mm-hmm. And this country does on the need right a little track. bit of that. It, we need a little paddling. I'd like to see the repeal of the Roosevelt law so that he can be a president for a lot more than four years. But we, this country, needs a dictator. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. Wow. It's the truth. Listen to this guy. He's He must have... He must have lit the world on fire in school. I'm sure that he knows the truth. Good God Almighty, help us pray to the Lord Jesus that our country gets a brain. Holy fuck, they want a dictator. Notice the first part of dictator, it's dick. And then the New York Times wrote a piece about uh, this whole resurgence with uh, Trump and everything is fueled largely by college-educated Republican voters. So, okay. Hey, whatever. Well, I question the educational system in this country, too. Again, I guess people are uh, worked up. They want a dictator. Wow. Well, who are Wonder they what... go- needing protection <laughs> from? That's the question. I don't know. From themselves, I guess. I never felt I needed a paddling from the principal. Kind of some principals are real dangerous. Sometimes they don't know what they're doing. Their lives are out of control. They're not in any position to paddle me or anyone else. I'll, I'll stick by my own brain. Just give me a government that basically keeps the roads open, collects taxes so that people don't fall through the that that societal net that has a military, and then let me run keeps my life. Keeps the lights on. Keeps the lights I'm, on. Keeps things I'm working. A, I believe in what George Washington believed in. Abraham Lincoln believed in. What America has believed in through all of World War II. We want our freedom. I don't want some fuck nut paddle, paddling me. I've seen where that goes. It ain't good. He's thinking he's not going to be one of the ones that gets thrown in prison, you know, yeah. for, without a trial. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The dictator's going to like him because he, he. Wait a second. You're paddling me. I, I voted for you. <laughs> wow. When did you ever think you'd hear an American go? We need a dictator. Never, never. Wow. Go live in Russia, please, before you ruin this country. There's a great dictator there. Very smart, according to Trump. Very smart. Howard, guy. And this guy in North country, Korea. You ruin the world. The world will be fucked up. Yeah, well, go if you need a dictator to spank you, there's so many of them. Go live there for a week. See how it is. Try it on. Yeah, there's all kinds of dictators. There's a fat, if you like going to camp, there's a great labor camp in North Korea I can, I can direct you to. For people who have crossed that little fat man, Kim Jong Un, who he'll paddle you and feed you to the dogs. Go for it. Why wait? Why, why ruin my country? Please go to Russia. It's great over there. You're missing out. They got a guy there who tells you what to do all who day and night. Everything. They pretend that they're having votes. Takes your money. Just go. There should be a jail sentence for anyone in this country who says we need a dictator. 
Yeah, that Good should Lord. be against the law. My father's whole generation fought so we wouldn't have a dictator, so we wouldn't have a, a Schweinhund running things. You know how many men lost their lives? How many brave men fighting the dictator? What happened? What happened to my country? It's fucked up. I don't want to think about it anymore. I want to have a good day. Really excited. Green Day's coming in. The best place for a lot of my fellow Americans to live would be Iran. They got this Ayatollah over there. He paddles you. If, you, if you're a woman and you show your ankles, please go to Iran. I wish we yeah, could have a field trip for that guy. Yeah, that's what the police are busy with uh, in Iran, yeah. making sure you wear a scarf over your head. Yeah, please <laughs> visit Iran and go live there. Don't ruin my country. I don't want to live under a dictator. And you want to know the truth? The guy's not wrong. That guy probably does need a dictator. He's probably so fucking stupid that he really needs someone to lead him around like He's a dog. He's still a child. He wants a spanking. Right. Yes, yeah, he probably he, spank me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fucking weirdo. What a thing to... Yeah, we, hey, we probably need a dictator. There's so many dictators. There was Stalin, Mussolini, Hitler... Sadly, we spent a lot of American lives fighting these guys. But now, I got a bunch of Americans who like the whole idea. It's really weird. I never thought I'd see the day. I don't even know who these people are. I don't know where they grew up. I don't know what they're thinking. God, you want to give up your freedom. And I, what's the issue? You know, in Texas, they um, if they get some immigrants, they bust them all over the country. How about we bust some of these guys to Iran and let them live in Russia and Iran? We'll, give, we'll, we'll equally divide them up into uh, North Korea, Russia, Iran. That should be pretty China? good. They, they might China. There. Oh, China's a great place. Go into... Um, one of those nail salon where you see a lot of these Chinese people working. They, they 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 barely speak English. Ask them about what it's like to live in China. They'll let you know. They'd rather live in a sweat house in the United States uh, and eat well McDonald's all day than live in China. And the best place to go right now is Russia because they need soldiers. You can go there. You can be um, you can get paddled by Vladimir Putin. You'll love it. He'll stick his finger up your ass and, and work you like a puppet, you stupid fuck. Free one-way flights to a dictatorship of your choice. We got plenty of them in the world. People are having a party under these dictators. They, they're, they're thrilled. Well, you, you know what they fuck. see? They see that no, no immigrants are <clears throat> coming to those dictators' countries. Mm, man. Like, we've been ruined by immigrants. I know some of you um, disagree with me. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. But I'll change the topic. I, I know you don't want to hear my political lectures. Uh, Ryan in Canada, you're on the air. Howard, I love you. Thanks for making my life a better place. Thank you. And let's let, all hail the dictator. And uh, yeah. that'd be pretty good. And anything you love, if you listen to this show and you love it, the dictator might not agree with it. He might, might not like it. Forgetting, 
Aber wir werden auch die nicht vergessen, die den richtigen this, Weg If this speech doesn't scare the fuck out of you, then you're in the wrong country. Dumb hillbilly fuck. Stupid moron. Fuck. Sorry. Yeah, Ryan, but let's change the topic. What's up? Well, I was uh, wondering if you saw the Pete Davidson special on Netflix. Netflix. I saw half of it. I thought it was really funny. I'm, he always takes me by surprise because I always think it's funny with Pete. You know, I thought on Saturday Night Live they didn't really utilize him that much. Sometimes they can't figure out what to do with a guy. I mean, I know he had a lot of success with it and he became very popular, but um, as a stand-up, he's very good. Did you like it? I thought it was. I thought it was great. I agree with you. I think it was incredible, and I watched Chappelle uh, not too long before it, and I thought Pete's special was a lot better. And I, I usually think Chappelle is the best, and I'm questioning that now. Chappelle's a great comic. I mean, there's so many good ones. You know, I, I, I'm so unqualified to talk about great comedians these days because I was talking to Jimmy Kimmel about this. He's really up on the comedy scene because Jimmy has a comedy club in, uh, Kimmel. in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, he was telling me, do you know this comic? You would like this guy. You would like that guy. He said, holy shit, I don't know half these guys. You know what There's it is. There's a I have lot of guys live. out. There's like a new resurgence in comedy going on right now. Well, what the resurgence is, is that because of YouTube and stuff, a lot of these guys have become popular on YouTube. They go out and they tour. They do arenas. They, they, it's unbelievable. And you might never have heard of them because they're able to have a direct relationship with their uh, audience. But... Pete Davidson, I like. I, I I love Chappelle. I love. Um, always love Chris Rock. Um, gosh, I mean, I sound dated because I'm not mentioning. Bill Burr always made me laugh. He seems like yep. a really bright guy. I'm really uh, amazed at the amount of material that guy can come up with. Um, there's a bunch of great guys that I know, but I think like there's so many I don't. And um, you know. It was Jimmy who told me recently a couple of the guys I had on recently that uh, he he's the one who told me about it. Like, I love Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer is one of the most relaxed people I've ever seen on stage. When she goes up, her delivery, I, I'm like, where the hell did she get so relaxed? Uh, Chris Stefano, I'm really digging. I've been watching more and more of his stuff because I met him when we had him on the show. Yeah. Um, I always appreciated Sarah Silverman. Uh, love her comedy. I went to see her live a couple of times. Boy, was she funny. There's a lot of great comics. Jerry, Colin of Quinn. course. Colin Quinn is fantastically funny. Incredible. But... And he was an incredible guest on your show. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. Sp you know who's a really good stand-up is David Spade. Yeah. Yep. He, um... I don't know if this is accurate, but I feel like in the last couple of years, he got real, like he got better, hmm. like later in life. I, I, again, though, that's probably not fair to say because I didn't know him as a stand up early on. I knew him from Saturday Night Live. Right. But I, whenever I see him do stand up, I'm like, whoa, he's fucking great. Like, well, like he always insanely puts his great. stand up down, you know, like, you know, you talk to him and go, I'm not as good at that. No, he downplays it. He does. You're right. Yeah. He downplays it. Yeah, it's weird. There's a lot of great comics out there. You know, you talk about comedians. So the other day I'm talking about the fact that um, with the AI, 
they developed a whole special George Carlin special using AI. Some dude did a George Carlin impression. They fed the impression into the computer and the computer came up with material. And the scary part of it was the special's pretty fucking good. AI is funny. AI has a funny bone. (laughs) You know, I don't know if somebody took the AI stuff and beefed it up or whatever, but the A, I'll play a clip. This is a AI. George Carlin doing a routine on God. And I'll, I'll give you a follow-up to this. It's Listen. all bullshit. If he gets credit for the good stuff, then he's got to take the blame for the bad stuff, too. You can't thank him for curing your cancer when he was the one that gave it to you in the first place. <laughs> and don't forget, before he gave you cancer, he had to fucking invent it. What kind of a sick fuck dreams up cancer? <laughs> And why so many kinds? Skin cancer, blood cancer, prostate cancer, breast cancer, kidney cancer, pancreatic cancer, liver cancer, lung cancer, and my personal favorite, rectal cancer. (laughs) Dropping a golf ball-sized tumor in your brain doesn't quite do it for the old man anymore. He has to fuck you in the ass, too. I mean, a computer wrote that. Now, I'll tell you the follow-up to that. (laughs) this is funny now kelly carlin is george carlin's daughter and she slammed it you know Mm. she was like listen uh this is a this is a terrible thing she she here's a quote from twitter my dad spent a lifetime perfecting his craft from his very human life brain and imagination no machine will ever replace his genius these ai generated products are clever attempts at trying to recreate a mind that will never exist again Let's let the artist's work speak for itself. Humans are so afraid of the void that we can't let what has fallen into it stay there. Here's an idea. How about we give some actual living human comedians a listen to? But if you want to listen to the genuine George Carlin, he has 14 specials that you can find anywhere. I hear her. I hear what she's saying. You know, it's uh, it's frightening. Like, I know... The frightening part is like maybe, you know, in the future, maybe it's not ready yet, but somebody takes my voice and they could do a radio like, 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 whoa, that would bum me out. Like, what about my job? You know, well, think uh, of actors and actresses, too. They will have avatars and De Niro will never die. De Niro will never age. But, you know, then you say to yourself, what about when AI invents the cure for cancer? Or helps us live another 25, 30 years? Or AI figures out a way for us to, who knows what, technologically. Get go the to another carbon planet. out of the air. Yeah, I mean, who knows what AI is going to figure out in five minutes that would take us 5,000 years. Yeah. Bring back Eric the actor. Bring him back Eric. You know, and I think about that sometimes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great, 100%. like, if I could, if I could feed in AI's voice... Did the Eric the actor voice, and the next thing I know, I got the eh, eh, word. You know what to do. You know what to do. Now, by the way, Kelly Carlin, George Carlin's daughter, is against AI, but on our phone is AI Kelly Carlin, who oh, actually no. loves, <laughs> who actually loves uh, the AI George Carlin. Right, AI Kelly Carlin? Fuck her. Fuck her. What does she know? Jealous bitch. LOL. LOL. Ha 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 ha. Hashtag AI is the future. 
<laughs> so you Not like AI, Kelly George Carlin. Carlin. Kelly Carlin. Of course, AI is the future. Just who do you think you are, Kelly? Eat my robot ass hater. Ha, 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 ha. See what I mean? AI Kelly Carlin. There you go. Yes. Right. <laughs> so silly. But, um... Somebody's AI is not up to snuff. <laughs> yeah, well, it's really, it is frightening. It is frightening. Well, it's but, a brand, uh, a brave new world, Howard. I mean, that is a pretty good rap. And I actually watched uh, about a half hour of uh, AI George Carlin. And about 10 minutes in, I forgot I was watching AI. I've been listening to it. I, I really did. I have to be wow. honest. Yeah, and it was really a little weird. But everybody uh, can be replaced by these large language models. They can write like Hemingway. They can mm-hmm. they can do it all. They I, I wonder though if they can come up with the ideas. Like instead of being George Carlin, can they be an even better comedian? Look at this, Robin. Sirius XM announced an AI co-host with Will I Am called Cutie Pie. Whatever that means. I don't even really? know. Really? Yeah. We got AI invading Sirius already? Will I Am might be working with a computer. Well, there you go. Wow. Anyway, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Ryan from Canada. Oh, this is Ryan from Canada. Sorry. Hey, Ryan. What's up? Hey, how's it going, Howard? You know, we uh, we got the same thing coming up this way uh, north. Uh, this MAGA mentality we call it Maple MAGA, but it's um, it's this weird conservative movement that is really like niche, but the media really really focuses on it, so it looks bigger than it actually is, and I think that's a big part of the problem. Is it's so shocking and it's so interesting and these places are looking for something to get people to watch their their bullshit that why show just boring politics like justin trudeau has been around he's like old furniture around here now so it's yeah like, i know yeah, it's, it, it it does drive the ratings because you know the truth is he gets sucked into it whether you're for it or against it and then yeah but you uh, also get enrolled and so he's right yeah. you're making more he is right yeah that's and that's and what's happening here. It's it we're we've we've been eating American media for decades, right? Like because you guys just do it better than us. So like our shit's boring. So we're all oh let's let's watch American television. And then what happens is that mindset gets set in here. Like we got immigration. Like people are, are protesting immigration here now. When that's the only thing that really fuels our like construction industry, all of our right, all of our uh, infrastructure <laughs> yeah. and. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's close our borders too, because Donald Trump's doing it downstairs, and um, we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll just bankrupt our company or our country because uh, because you know we saw it on TV. This Our country always had a problem with immigration. You know that. I mean, people, whatever new group was moving in, people would go berserk, and they would fight it. The, the Chinese, the Italians, the Jews, the don't ask the Jews. They used to put ads in the newspaper. No, uh, they say, um, like if a Jew was looking for a hat, would say in the paper, uh, churches nearby. That meant no Jews. Um, <laughs> same with the Chinese. And uh, what it's exactly what built the country. But, you know, people don't want to. Yeah, Brian, I, I, I got to change the topic. It's bumming me up. You know, once you get a dictator, this is how it backfires on you. You know, Bill O'Reilly, the uh, 
whatever you call him. I don't know what he is now. But, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis passed this law in Florida where all the books have to be reviewed. And if there's a book with some Who's kind of sex. Who's reviewing them? You know, <clears throat> this is ridiculous. He, the law is the teachers have to review them. And if they if they let through a book with sex in it or some sexual references, the teacher goes to jail. It's uh, yeah. unbelievable. It's Big Brother. And so Bill O'Reilly has said, you know, I like this. Um, he supports the book ban. But now he's livid because his books are being pulled for review. This oh, is what happens. Oh, yes. Um, I guess evidently his two books, he's got a ton of books, but uh, Killing Jesus and Killing Ronald Reagan are on the list to be reviewed. There must be some sort of sexual reference in it. Yeah. Plus, he's written a whole bunch of other books, like, I guess, novels or something where he has sex scenes, which is creepy. If you listen to the audio book, it's him describing sexual acts. It's so vile. It's disgusting. So, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, well, don't ban my books. I mean, ban other people's books, but not mine. I'm don't, I'm one of you. No, turns out the dictator doesn't like you, too. He then dropped to the floor, kneeling before Ashley, pushing her skirt up to her waist. Using a fair amount of pressure, he kissed her inner thighs, using his lips and tongue. His hands reached the waistband of her hope. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> if you said he kissed her inner thighs, wouldn't you assume there's a mouth and tongue involved? <laughs> using her mouth and tongue. See, I mean, I'm going to throw up from this. I don't want to hear Bill O'Reilly reading me a sex scene. Shannon gently gave a tug and Ashley lifted her hips. He slipped the hose down to her ankles, all the while continuing. Her hose. Hose. <laughs> he slipped her hose and garters. Doing <laughs> a neater skin with his tongue. Ashley climaxed twice before the two got up from the couch and. Yeah, sure. Good luck with that. Wow. <laughs> Somebody's fantasy. Climax twice. Yes. <laughs> from what? Just from licking her thighs? Yeah. Okay. Using a fair amount of pressure. Sounds like uh, instructions from Ikea, you know? It's like... <laughs> Besides Bill O'Reilly's book being up for review, they've removed Ripley's Believe It or Not and Anne Frank's The Diary of a Young Girl. Yeah, that's Gee. a smart idea. Yeah. Because the teachers are like, look, we don't want to go to jail. That's this is right. how Big so Brother gets you. You'll be reading yeah. nothing at the, you know, at the next yeah. time you go to the library. There'll be no words in the book. Only it's like the doctors. Woman's life is in danger. Some complication from pregnancy. But the doctors are like, well, we don't want to do anything because who knows? Maybe these nuts will put us in jail. Yeah, that's right. Anyway. I got to admit, I used to beat off to the diary of Anne Frank as a kid, so uh, oh I understand God. that one. Yeah, I, uh, I was caught masturbating, and my mother caught me, and and when she saw it was diary of Anne Frank, she immediately uh, put me in a mental institution. <laughs> uh, so let me uh, take a break here. Green Day's coming in, for those of you who haven't heard that news yet. I'm always excited to see the boys, hear what they've been up to. 
see how life's going. They're going to play a couple of tunes, which is going to be awesome. I do want to celebrate uh, Dookie and American Idiot and their new album. The new album's killer. I'll play a couple of tracks when they come in. They're really good. It's Those boys are still current. How the fuck they're doing it? I don't know what what blood they're drinking. <laughs> hey, Green Day will be here soon. I do want to um, get to a couple of things. For those of you who are anxious this year about the upcoming election and want to know what Ronnie is going to do for the, the uh, vote. Oh, no. Um, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it set him off. So, Blit asked him what uh, what what he's thinking about and uh, forget about it. The, the anger out of this guy is unbelievable. For this coming election? No, it's going to be a shit show again. Who are you voting for? Uh, don't start with that shit now, okay? Don't even fucking go there. But you will vote, though. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. It's nobody's goddamn fucking business what I'm doing. And yeah. And that's the end of that's it. That's the end of and it. And anybody fucking questions me again about it, yeah. that's the answer you're going to get. And then I'm never fucking talking about it. So you're not going to fucking, you know, start that shit Jesus, again. I didn't. Go fuck yourself, okay? I don't care at this point in my life. I don't give a fuck. But you are. Gonna fuck alone, dude, with this shit. Don't even start election talk. I'll do what I want to do when I do it. Fuck yourselves. Leave me alone. We could put a pin in election talk. Just Dude. Enough. Enough with the election shit. Don't start. I'm not starting. I just No, you're gonna start a whole thing, dude. Go fuck yourself. One last question. Enough. <laughs> sounds like he's voting for Trump again, I think. That's what it sounds like to me. Do you know he voted for Trump before? I have a suspicion. I don't know for sure. <laughs> Bringing in the new year with the grump. Got that grumpy thing going, man. Man, Ronnie gets I set thought off. He had mellowed out <laughs> since the wedding. But <laughs> no, no, that lasted about five minutes. <laughs> Mr. Love. I think uh, Blit asked him about, uh, hey, did you guys get any Christmas gifts? That set him off, too. Like, you know, he just got all, <laughs> he got all angry. Hey, what's up? Merry Christmas. Christmas is over already. I know, a few days ago. You got any good gifts? No. You didn't do gifts this year? I just got her a gift. That's it, because she got me something uh, like a wedding gift. What did you get her? A watch. What kind of watch? Movado. Just like she got me. That's it? Yeah, some clothes she got. For Christmas or before that? Christmas! Jesus Christ. <laughs> what kind of clothes did she get you? Does it fucking matter? Okay. Hey, hey, they. Wow. Jesus. Yeah, he started the new year grumpy and he's going to end the year grumpy. <laughs> I don't know what he's so grumpy about. I mean, he's got the young <laughs> wife and he's getting off. laid. He's eating good food. He's living the life in Vegas. He seems to have everything he wants, but it's still he not, uh, calming him down what is what else could there be go fuck yourself exactly go fuck yourself go fuck he's president yourself. of uh grumps for trump and uh, uh go back to your fucking country where you belong this, okay yeah you go to ronnie hey ronnie did you have a good day fuck off that's his i don't know if it's a stick with him he's so angry sometimes Dude, i think no, it's, it's not a what's shtick, going on okay it feels like the, a stick no, you deal, you deal with this fucking blit guy, man. It, it's, it's insane. He, he knows how to turn your, your screws. It's, it's crazy. Can I, can Jesus I give you a little coaching on this? Christ. No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Blit. Here's, blit. let's say blit approaches me. Howard, did you get a Christmas gift? Yeah, I got a Christmas gift. What'd you get? I got, uh, some stationery and a pen. Oh. Did uh, you get Beth anything? Yeah, I got her something. What'd you get her? Got her a piece of jewelry. 
Oh, yeah? What kind of jewelry? A watch. Bavado. Very beautiful. That's it. What, what, what's the way? What, what, be, be happy the guy's interested in you. Yeah. What yeah. did he do before you? he asked you that question? Stick something up your butt? What well, that he like? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, kind but of. Anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, but anyway, Ryan, you got you to gotta calm down. You got the life, yeah, you man. You finally, out. you're not driving anymore. You're retired. You fucking got some money in the bank. You got the young, hot you're girlfriend, the wife. the gummies and the, you know, yeah. the pot. What are you grumpy about, pal? I'm not Seriously. grumpy until I get on the phone with him. Oh, yeah? You're in good mood most of the day? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, ask Stephanie. She'll tell you. All right. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie's got it made. He gets laid three, four times a week. Puts it in, the, in her ass. Don't ask what he's up to over there. Takes Getting it in it's Takes it in his ass. Don't I mean? Uh, right, there, he is, you, there he is. There he is. Wait, wait, wait a second, Ron. Before you, okay. There's Blit. Blit. What yeah. are you? You're, what are you doing? You're asking questions. Just questions. Simple, honest questions. I love. Ask me to a Ronnie. question. I want to see if you get me crazy. <sighs> hey, Howard. What, what are you up to this weekend? This weekend, I have no plans, and mm. that means maybe I'll get to paint a little bit. Right. And how long do you usually paint for? Depends. Like, I might paint for 15 minutes, and then someone interrupts me. But sometimes I'll get a two- or three-hour stretch. Yeah. What happens when someone interrupts you? I get pissed. You know, yeah. I want time, but I realize, you know, life has a way of interrupting fun. But Like, what's I deal an example it? of when someone interrupts you when you're trying to focus on painting? I'll get a phone call, or my mom, like, no, oh, man, my mother... It, yesterday, uh, Jesus, it drove me crazy. Yeah. You needed a dentist. Don't, don't ask. A mm -hmm. couple of weeks ago, my mother calls me, right? She goes, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Mom, what's wrong? My teeth. Uh, my teeth. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> I go, your teeth hurt, Mom? Ma you know, you gotta, I can't bring a dentist to you. I'm not the Mashiach. I can't bring the dentist to you. You got to get out of that apartment and go to the dentist. I don't want to get out of the apartment. It's too much for me. Well, then your teeth are going to hurt. Uh, my teeth hurt. How did you know? <laughs> I know because you just told me. Oh, my teeth. I need a dentist. I go, Mom, why don't you make an appointment with your dentist? My dentist retired. He's not here anymore. I go, well, what about a new dentist? I'll tell you what. I got a great dentist, and he, he's right near your fucking... I'm, I'm, excuse me, Mom. I didn't mean to say fuck, but right, <laughs> he's right... Why did you say fuck? Are you angry with me? I'm not angry with you. <laughs> but, but, but... Uh, 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 Mom. What we're going to do, I'm going to call my dentist and I'm going to, no, no, I don't want to go to a dentist. That's okay. Now, mind you, the woman's on morphine. If she's feeling pain in her mouth, her teeth must be falling out. So I didn't hear from her. She didn't say anything. I'm, I, I just said, fuck it. Well, yesterday I got the call. How, uh, my son, my teeth. Oh, 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 my son. I go, teeth. 
<laughs> yeah. I go, uh, <laughs> I go, Mom, I told you about this weeks ago. You can't sit in the apartment and pray for this to go away. I need a dentist. Do you have a dentist? I go, yes, I have. Of course I have a dentist. I, I live in the modern world. <laughs> so she, can you... Uh, I said, you know, there's two, th you could go to the front desk of your place, ask who, if they go to, there's a dentist nearby, or I'll, I'll call my guy. Simple, I'll get you an appointment, he's a great guy. Would you call your guy? Okay, mom, I'm gonna go call my guy. What else is going on? Mom, I gotta go and call my guy. <laughs> I called my guy, he says, yes, take your, my mom's going today, going to the ah. God knows what's doing in that mouth. I said, pull all them fucking teeth. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> give her, give her applesauce. <laughs> so to answer your question, John, yes, this is the kind of thing that might happen while I'm trying to paint. It's a distraction. It's a distraction, yes. Yeah. Any other yeah. questions, John, or is that it? No, and then what are you, you going to do at night for dinner? Are you going to go out? Are you going to stay in? What are you going to eat? Staying in today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to stay in. I don't know what I'm having because Beth's making dinner. Mm. And uh, it'll be a surprise. That's a nice surprise. Yeah. Or, then after or Ronnie, you can handle it like this. Ask me the same question again. Uh, are you going to go out for dinner? You know what, Blake? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you go fuck yourself? What do you care? Exactly. That's be happy somebody care? cares. What do you care what I'm eating? What do you care where I'm going? I'm curious about what you do with your life. You it you don't talk me. you didn't you don't talk happy. to him like you talk to me, you motherfucker. That's not he did exactly the same way. I have yeah, you get worked up. It. You're not on the phone, believe me. Ask I'm Ronnie a question. Go ahead. What's that? Ask you another yes, question. Ask Ronnie a question. Um, Ronnie, what are you doing after the show? Uh, I have my shrink appointment. There you, you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's not good enough. <laughs> what are you going to tell them? What are you going to talk about? All right. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm going to talk it's about. It's not good. About. It's not good enough just to get the answer. I got my shrink appointment. They're making conversation with you. Yeah, oh, it's not, you. dude. It's, it's breaking innocent. balls. It's not breaking balls. It's innocent All right, conversation. Well, yeah. I don't know. Just listen to that. Listen to that tone. Listen to it. <laughs> He's an inquisitor. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, he is. I could talk I to Ronnie John. for hours, for hours. Yeah, I know. Hours. Oh, yes, you yeah. can. Yeah, but I Ronnie know. can't talk to you for hours. He's going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, next time we talk, I want to hook him up to like a, a blood pressure machine to see how how my conversation. Oh, I can so. tell you my blood pressure. It's 200 over 200. Oh, is that true? <laughs> oh, when he's on the phone. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, you got to calm the fuck down, man. Yeah, I don't know what you you're so upset about. Ronnie. You got to relax. Yeah. Honestly, one thing I could teach you to do is relax, is to breathe. Oh see, th 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 this is the thing. Ronnie doesn't breathe. When we talk, you could see him getting redder and redder. And I try to right. get him to inhale and exhale, to inhale yeah. and exhale. Uh, what here, comes JD? Here, here comes JD. Yeah. So, so John also has these Saw movie scenario type questions of, so if Howard is dying and oh, he yeah. needs you to suck his cock to save right. his life, would yeah, you no. do it? If you have a gun to your head. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, J.D., what's this the This is what goes on. Of course I suck cock to save your of life. Of course That's you would. I, I give you a job. I mean, of course, <laughs> you're going to have to suck some dick. True. So what?
They answer the question. That's it. I knew Where are you going to go work? That's Ronnie it. wouldn't answer the question. Ronnie was, he didn't want to get involved. You're not going to keep so. me alive, Ronnie? Suck my dick yeah, a little I'll bit? Yeah, I'll keep you alive, but that, Thanks, pal. Th this is ridi it's ridiculous. This is, it's, <laughs> this is what, this is the shit that he winds me up with, man. <laughs> and he, goes, uh, he goes, he goes, uh, would you would you suck John Hines' dick to save his life? JD well, would. would you? Uh, well, good for JD. <laughs> 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 He's already uh, got JD, doesn't well, need you. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, Ronnie, you're going to clam well, up again about voting? Yeah, I see from Blitz interview. Well, exclusive I'm done. interview. Don't talk. No, no, no. Dude, <laughs> lighten up. Why not? Go, go public. Take a stand for this country, man. You want a dictator? Take a stand, man. Be a man. Don't stop. Don't start. Don't be afraid. I'm going to talk to you. I'm, stay on him about that politics stuff. Yeah, I like I will. Ronnie. I, Ronnie you know, needs I to brave to, up. Yeah. I tried to <laughs> ease in with him to ask if he voted, he's, if he's going to vote for like the American Idol thing. And he's like, he doesn't watch it. So I'm just going to talk to him more All about right. things that he would vote for in life. Okay. Well, we'll we, we look forward to those interviews. Oh, I, interview. yeah. I can't wait for that conversation. It's going to be an hour about election and who, who you're going to vote for. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That's my boy, Ronnie Mund and watch, uh, John. Watch Blake. how quick the, the, the Zoom goes off. <laughs> By the way, I do want to read you some of the fan mail. A lot of people like my tribute to Ozzy Osbourne in celebration of Ozzy's yes, 75th birthday nice. and the legacy of his music career. We started off the show yesterday with that. And uh, hey, Howard, I got worried for a second that Ozzy had passed away. Thank God he didn't. Even so, a nice tribute to a rock and roll legend. I love the, uh, uh, there's another letter. Crazy Train paired nicely with Great American Nightmare. Who knew? That was a great mashup to start the day. Uh, Howard Ozzy has made who some of the greatest doing appearances. Those mashups, those are really excellent. Guys, who is doing all the mashups? Because we had one today between Green Day and Rob Zombie that I thought yeah. was well, Rich Gibbons is doing it. Well, of course he is. Okay, Rich Gibbons, take a bow, Rich. Awesome job. Uh, Howard Ozzy has made some of the greatest appearances in Stern Show history. He's always a fabulous guest, whether or not you can understand what's coming out of his mouth. He needs his own interpreter. Yeah, Robin and I were struggling to understand what Ozzy was saying in some of those clips yesterday. And uh, We catch besides, every third or fourth word. <laughs> that's the fun. Besides uh, J.D., Ozzy's probably the world's most famous mumbler. Uh, for example, I'll uh, play a little uh, game with you here. Here's a moment from his appearance on our show in 2013. Tell me what Ozzy's saying. Listen carefully. It goes by quick. But you would overdose on drugs to try to, but sort of try to kill yourself, but not try to kill yourself. What were you trying to do? What were you trying to Get say? Get again. <laughs> what? Exactly. Get again. Got again. <laughs> To tell you the truth, I don't have an answer for you on that one because we listened to the clip a dozen times and we cannot figure out what Ozzy's saying right there. Wow. Here, wait, I'll get, I got a couple we did figure out here. Try these, Robin. Try these up real quick. This is good. Uh, in this first clip, Ozzy's telling me about what happened when Sharon found out he had fallen off the wagon. She ripped his coat, poured coffee on him, and then what? This is hard to know. She and she ripped your coat off you. Ripped my coat, tore, poured coffee, up, coffee over me, oh. threw the fucking government and bounced something like it went. Wait a minute. <laughs> we know what he said. Whatever. What threw I don't. The, un threw the fucking kettle at me. It bounced and hit my head. Here, listen. Wow. Again. Yeah, this took a long time. It sounded she, like she, she ripped threw your coat the cover at me. 
Yeah, love. She and she ripped your coat off you. Ripped my coat, tore, poured coffee, o- coffee over me, oh. threw the fucking cover, but bounced off the back of my head. Yep, that is, is not bounce. kettle. <laughs> yeah, threw the. That, it is an Aussie talk. Threw the fucking kettle at me and it bounced and hit my head. All right, here's another one. It's fun to play. Here's Ozzy discussing getting clean. What's Ozzy saying? I got a sober companion. Oh, I got that one. I got a sober companion. I got a sober companion. Listening. I got a sober companion. Yeah, very good. That took me a lot longer than that. Uh, Here's a clip. I'll do one more for you. Maybe one or two. In this clip, Ozzy's telling me about Motley Crue's Tommy Lee holding a full-on conversation with Ozzy backstage while receiving a blowjob from a groupie. What's Ozzy saying? All right, here we go. Tommy's backstage. He's getting a blowjob. Tommy's getting a blowjob, and Ozzy's talking to him. But was he showing off the size of his penis? Was he? What, what is he, that? He, he, was showing her, he was trying to spray her tonsils, I think. He was trying to spray her tonsils, I think. Very good. That's you speak why I say he did not say kettle in that other. <laughs> he was trying to spray her tonsils or something. Listen, but was he showing off the size of his penis? Was he? What? What is he, that? He, he was showing. Her, he was trying to spray her tonsils. I think. Yeah. <laughs> we did a phony phone call. Do we have time here? Let me see what time. Oh, yeah, I have a time before Green Day comes in. Uh, our Aussie impersonator. Called a nursing home to ask uh, some um, an older woman about being roommates. Oh. <laughs> she didn't want anything to do with them, but <laughs> here's Ozzy uh, calling a nursing home looking to move in because it is he is seventy five. It's close to that time. Hello, hello, Margie. Yes, this is the head administrator from the nursing home. How are you? I'm doing well, babe. I'm doing well. I I'm keep on ticking. I'm going to be seventy five the twentieth of January and. That's a big one. That sure is a big one. And you know what, Margie? For your birthday, I have a nice surprise. How would you like a roommate? No, no. I'm very happy by myself. I don't want any roommate. I don't want anybody in my room. I just want to be alone. I want to be perfectly by myself. Well, before you say no, I must tell you, it's a big celebrity. He's a famous singer. Have you ever heard of Ozzy Osbourne? He's very yes, famous. I have. You have heard of Ozzy? Yes, I have. Yes, well, I have. Well, let him explain. Ozzy, pick up the phone and say hello to Margie. Go ahead, Ozzy. Hello, hello, Margie. How are you? This is Ozzy Osbourne here. How are you doing, sweetheart? Oh, uh, I'm doing okay. And I, I, I was wondering, maybe, maybe we could go over a few things, being that it's just going to be you and I. Is that okay? I don't know, Ozzy. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they're putting you in with uh, me. <laughs> Well, the, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, if, 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 would it be okay if I if I hung an upside-down cross over over your bed and covered it in goat's blood? Oh, Ozzy, I don't think so. I don't think that this is the place Why? that you should be hanging over somebody's bed. But we're going to have a, a Marge, we're going to have a lot of fun, you know. I can tell you truthfully, I don't think it's a good idea. Do you play bingo? <laughs> well, bingo is more my speed. Well, how about Russian roulette? Th- Ozzy, I think you better take a step back. Don't be a, don't be a party pooper. Oh, Wait, no. Forget about the party. Ozzy, I Maybe. want to tell you something. You can't do uh, that. And they could throw me out of here, and I can't have you doing that here. Have you ever given a tattoo? What? Have you ever given a tattoo? 
No, I don't want a tattoo. Nobody oh, here wants a tattoo. Nobody has a tattoo. I've got an idea, Mom. And I'm very religious. Let's put all of our medications in a bowl. We'll crush them up and snort them. <laughs> no. I need my medications. I don't play games with medication. Oh, come on, Marge. It'll get right into your bloodstream and it'll be, it'll be fun. I would never do those things. And you shouldn't be doing them either, especially at your age. Does this mean we can't make one in your bedpan? No. I go to the bathroom in my bedpan. You think I'm going to let you make wine in that? There's something wrong with you. Do you like arts and crafts? Yes. Good, because today I made a pentagram necklace out of my dry macaroni. <laughs> Ozzy, you got to go to church. You got to get blessings. Good. I do go to church. The church is Satan. <laughs> All aboard. not funny. Come on, Margie. Let's go crazy. Ozzy, let me tell you something. If you come here... I will call the police and have you arrested. Do you understand me? Because that's where you All belong. Right. Oh, Lord, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time the police were called. Oh, my. Anyway. Uh, that was funny. Margie's a great sport. We uh, we called her afterwards and, said, and she goes, that was so much fun. Can you call me again? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I thought she was bumming out. She was like, oh, my God, that was so much fun. The Aussie. <laughs> Go figure. You know, when you're in a nursing home, there ain't that much excitement. That's right. That was the best part of her day. Yeah. By the I way, was thinking on... about it, listening to her, we turn old people into children. It sounds like what we used to do in kindergarten. <laughs> you yeah. know, her day. Arts and crafts and a game. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I might go a little berserk playing bingo. That might make that might make me nuts. <laughs> right. Um also from the fans, they did seem to enjoy JD's award wrap up show where he ah. told us which girls were hot at the Emmys. Um, and other things. <clears throat> A lot of people wrote us in. They didn't like the uh, Anthony Anderson bit with the mother. They felt the uh, cutting off people that way was not nice. Yeah. Um, Howard, I like hearing J.D. review hot chicks even more than I do Ronnie. Come on, J.D., take one for the team and blow Laverne Cox. <laughs> she looked good. I don't know why J.D.'s rejecting her. <laughs> she did look good. Um, Howard, oh, my God, I just looked up John Oliver's wife, and she is a smoke show. It really does pay to be funny. You're not kidding. I think J.D. put her on his top five list. That's how hot she is. She was number three, as I recall. Top mm -hmm. three. Top three. Good for you, J.D. Well, good for John Oliver. <laughs> um, someone said JD left out Sir Elton John winning an Emmy for his farewell tour. He should have talked about that. We did mention that. Uh, Elton we? John now is an Emmy, a Grammy, Oscar, and Tony winner. Way to go, Elton yeah, John. Yeah, he got. That's he my achieved man. the ultimate. Um, what else? Ronnie's prostate exam drew a lot of mail. Ronnie explained to us he went to a female doctor to examine his prostate and he was thrilled. Hearing Ronnie he, talk about his... He enjoyed it. That's the thing. Yeah, it wasn't just it. thrilled that there was a woman. He enjoyed his exam. <laughs> Hearing Ronnie talk yeah. about his female doctor reminded me of Sal getting fired by his doctor for being creepy. He better watch it. I, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was like, well, why would a woman want to be a urologist? 
And then I thought, well, why does a guy want to be a guy a gynecologist? I know guys who became gynecologists, and they were like, damn, get to see all those naked broads. And I was like, dude, you got to keep in mind, a lot of these women are sick when they come to see you. Their vaginas right. are sick. You're, you're seeing sick pussies. Or could it be that some women really want to see dudes' balls and penis? Like, maybe it turns them on. I don't know. I have no idea what makes people make the choice of their specialty, because a lot of them seem bizarre. Leave it to Ronnie to make a standard medical exam sound sexual. <laughs> Picturing Ronnie's doctor and her long fingers made me giggle. I bet Ronnie will be asking for a prostate screening four times a year. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. After, um, By the way, after Ronnie explained his preference for a female doctor perform his prostate exam, we reached out to board-certified urologist and pelvic surgeon Dr. Rena Malik to get her take on it. And according to her, Ronnie's reasoning is not far off. Huh? Yeah, listen to this. This kind of this was sort of interesting. Well, women typically have smaller fingers, so they are thinner than a male's finger. So generally speaking, I would say most men, uh, when given the option of having a prostate exam, would prefer something smaller penetrating their anus. So a lot of men do prefer anus. women for that reason. We say that all the time, we, especially when there's men who have hesitancy for seeing a female. I say, well, you know, you're gonna, your prostate exam will be a lot more comfortable because women mm. have smaller fingers. So we, we often say that, you know, we use it as a pro. Oh, I don't know. Call me a freak. I like long, thick, hairy fingers <laughs> in my ass. Oh, that prostate exam is humiliating, embarrassing, and also painful. But I don't get them much anymore. I had to get one recently when I had that bladder stone removed. But uh, for right. the most part, they now say that's the thing of the past. You got to get your uh, blood test and they, they test your PSA or something. And that's how they know whether you have prostate cancer. But, but I was I always afraid. you had something particular going on there. Mm-hmm. They might have to do a manual yeah. exam. Well, I'm old school, Robin. I like a longshoreman's calloused hand up there. <laughs> really digging in and twisting. Ass streaks. You know what generated a lot of email? And I do want to bring this up. One of the guys who works for us, Mamet, uh, he had an incident where a teenager in his neighborhood flipped him off. I'm a mech, no offense to him, but he kind of looks like a guy you'd flip off. You know what I mean? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's a yeah, little I annoying. mean, he, he has ways that make you think. <laughs> he gets flipped off a lot. <laughs> Some of you agree that uh, Mamet was right to leave a note for the kid's parents oh, tattling God. on the son. I told him that was a bad move. I'm, I've dived into the story a little bit deeper, and it turned out this kid flipped him the bird once. And Mamet uh-huh. immediately wrote a note to the parents and left it. And I said, oh, no, this thing's going to escalate. It's going to get crazy. But many people wrote in, I stand with Mamet. That little asshole needs to be taught a lesson before he grows into an adult asshole. Also, Mamet looks like a hot cowboy. So someone's a fan of Mamet over there. Uh, but some listeners were concerned for Mamet. Mamet is screwed. Now that kid's going to make it his mission to fuck with him until he leaves for college. <laughs> and I, I got to tell you, people are dicks. I mean, uh, that kid's going to fuck with him. 
I don't know. Mehmet gets it. Mehmet was telling me he he was trying to help an old lady last night. He tried to help her cross an icy road, and she yelled at him. What? Yeah, he got yelled. I don't know what 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 he does, but what happened to you, pal? Um. Yeah. No, I'm curious what Robin means that I have this way that people just want to flip me off. But I, I guess she's right because last night, you know, it's snowing a lot uh, yeah. here in the Northeast. It's very icy. And I was walking into the grocery store, and the road was really bad. The parking lot was really slippery. And there was this old lady. She was kind of like, she was doing like the, the Howard shuffle. shuffle, you know, into the, into the grocery store. And I just walked up to her, and I said, you know, miss, would you, would you like an arm to hang on to? It's very slippery out here. And she was like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to, I'm not gonna about to drop dead. I'm not too. I was like. Jesus, I, I apologize. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be down. like, hey, yeah, help me into that fucking store, young man. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was doing wow. the right thing. I don't know, but, but, you know, I still believe this kid in your neighborhood who, you know, popped you the finger. One time, Matt, you got upset? What? It was you one it time, but like it, was, you, it was one incident, but it was multiple fingers? things <laughs> over and over and over again. Ronnie, wouldn't dude, you advise... Dude, dude, this kid is not done with you, man. I don't know. It's been awful he's quiet. Gonna, it's he's been gonna, awful Yeah, quiet. it's going to be quiet for a while, but he's going to fuck with you. Forget about it. Nah. Yeah, I, I, I think you got Ronnie a stern you're done. You're done. You're done. Him and his friends, that's it. No, I would I agree with Ronnie. Find the bags of shit on fire in front of your door, oh, all that kind please. of stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, here's some of the email. Mehmet broke rule number one. Keep your mouth shut. He's a rat. Snitches get stitches. Uh, <laughs> writing a note and leaving it in their mailbox. That kid must have a sixth sense for douches. From here on out, the male version of Karen will be known as Mehmet. Douche. Yeah. Uh, Howard, you don't have to be a kid to feel the urge to flip off Mehmet. You can see it, but I'm flipping him off now. Uh, if my I'm, kid flipped I'm off. I'm trying to make society better. If my kid flipped off Mehmet, I'd buy him an ice cream cone. <laughs> Howard, I, but, I've uh, always maintained that you had a great dad. What would he have done if you had flipped off oh, the neighbors and he got a letter about it? It would be it would be curtains. I mean, I'd be you would I'd be have been like out. shoveling the neighbors' driveway for a year, right? Yeah, but not everyone's like my old man. I'm telling you, my man. That's just the point. No, I, I agree. That's a problem. You know, problem. this this kid breed. Yeah, this kid probably, his parents are probably like, what the fuck's with that weirdo, right? Put leaving mail, mail in our mailbox. But I'm saying any parent who wouldn't be horrified that their kid is doing that is a bad parent. That's all I'm saying. Well, then you still haven't fixed the problem. You still haven't fixed the problem. If they're a bad parent, nothing's going to be done to control his behavior. Well, in any uh, case, maybe they'll wake up. We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll be all right. But, and to uh, everyone who said I should, oh, you know, don't write a letter, walk up to the door. Do you read the news? Do you see what happens to people who pull into the wrong driveway or walk up to the wrong house? I, people get shot and killed. That's right. Well, look, it was me and some kid flipped me off one time. I'd be like, eh, who gives a fuck? Multiple fuck times once. No, one time he put up both fingers and he kept flipping How do you know it was at you? I was the only car behind the school bus. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? Maybe it was the car he was flipping no, off. No, it, it was. I I swear, I have no idea what I did. It was very strange. And he got off the yeah. bus and he continued to do it. And he was yelling at me. You made faces <laughs> at him, didn't you? I didn't. No, I had no reason to make faces at him. You were, in any not, case. you were not in the mood to say what what's going on. Why did why are you flipping me off? I was stunned, and then, you know, I'm with my family, and then I, I was just getting pissed the more I thought about it. I was like, I can't get, let him get away with that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Well, well, here's the point. A lot of people weighed in. Some people think you shouldn't have done it. Some people think you should have. There you go. There's the wrap-up on that. Mehmet. And a lot of people liked your bit on the littles, the people who get up, put on diapers, and uh, pretend oh, to be yeah, little that kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got oh, a lot of good, good feedback on that. So there you go, pal. All right, and uh, Jimmy, you're on the air in Maryland. Go ahead, Jimmy. Hey, now. Happy birthday, hey now. my brother. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've been listening for <clears throat> forever, since like the eight, 82 or something, so I've seen the evolution of Ray and Ben, which I love. But Thank you. I got to say, the, the, this this latest version of Ray is very depressing. Uh, yeah, it is depressing. It's, I get depressed all the time about uh, my mom. I wish I could motivate her I, to get out of bed. Uh, <laughs> it's just. When that voice comes on, I want to just steer into traffic, brother. <laughs> yeah, me too. I just feel bad. You know, I do love my mother and seeing her at 96, I never would have, I don't know what I would have predicted. I'm not in the prediction business, but. Uh, well, geez, I always what? thought she just would be, you know, a happy meditator at this point in her life. Yeah, well, meditation does bring her some peace, but. Yeah, she's she's just in a lot of pain and um, on a lot of medication, and I didn't think of. I mean, I don't know what well, I thought it would be like, but it's just very depressing. And I try my best, but uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have Ozzy Osbourne impersonator call her up and uh, <laughs> threaten to move in with her and see if that gets her cheery. But uh, well, you're lucky man. you still have your mom. I wish I had my mom, but yeah, I know that. I'm. I, I do feel lucky. I wish I could just make her life better but uh, i've tried everything i got her going to the dentist today maybe that'll make her feel good you know she's always feels better once she goes all right thank you there jimmy and uh here's courtney courtney in ohio hi courtney good morning everybody hey so uh i'm doing the does anybody there do the wordle or the connection puzzle from the new york Times? i try that wordle and that connection and jesus christ i feel like a fucking moron i can't do any of them yeah, I, I never love I get a connection. Oh, I hate it. I'm like, well, I do it right all the time, but Wordle is pretty, pretty easy. I don't well, like any of those. I hate alert. those word games. Spoiler alert. Uh, the, the tricky one in the connections today, which is like they color code them as you answer them. The tricky one are Hall of Radio Hall of Fame members. Mm. And oh. maybe I say them all, but uh, Stern was in there and I kept getting distracted by the word. Because I'm like obviously thinking of you all, and uh, so yeah, I just thought I'd show that's kind of cool. You made the connection. I wonder nice. who else they put in there because I'd have a hard time naming anyone. The other names. Do you want to know them? Yeah. Glass. Gross. King. Who? Glass wait, wait, like wait. glass like uh, a glass. Gross. King and Stern. King is Larry King. Gross, I think, is a guy named Ira Gross, maybe, but I, I think he's on NPR. Or is that Glass? Oh, that's Ira Glass. Glass. It's Glass. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, what was it? Gross. I don't Gross. know what that is. Gross. <laughs> That must be me too. Like maybe they're just like, no, oh, no, you know, no, the gross most one. Most disc jockeys, most disc uh, jockeys. Gross. Oh, it's all DJs. All DJs are gross. That's why they're on the radio. All right, Courtney, thank you for that little bit of information. All right, I'm gonna take a break. When I come back, uh, Green Day will celebrate the boys, man, and they need to be celebrated. They you got a new album out. It's called. Um, you'll, I'll play you some of it. It's excellent. They're gonna do one of the tunes live too, Saviors, and then they're going to do some other songs and we'll just talk a little bit about what's going on in their lives oh terry gross she interviewed me when my book came oh out. That's, that's right i forgot about terry gross she was good actually I, I haven't i never listened to her show other than when i was on but she seemed pretty good a lot of people I, like her like her interviews she's in the radio hall of fame what a fucking ridiculous organization that is. A bunch of fucking bullshit. It turns out it is a hall. Remember, it was sort of in a hall somewhere. I think it was in a wedding hall. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll be back with Green Day right after these words. Hey, now. A little bit of the uh, Clash for you. I bet the boys in Green Day like the Clash. You never know, though. I'll be here till the day I die. Live at Chase Stadium, the Clash. Where are those Green Day boys? It's always good to see Green Day. There Look at they are. Guys. I love these guys. Look at that band. Hi, guys. Hey, how you doing, Howard? Good. I'm thinking you guys might love the Clash. You never know. Do you into those guys? Yeah. I well, yes, absolutely. Um, it's interesting though, because like the first time, first time I ever heard the Clash was, uh, God, it was um, on MTV. I think should I stay or should I go? And also, this is Radio Clash. So I kind of thought that they were uh, a kind of a disco band or something in the very beginning. And then I went back to listen to like you know the first album and obviously London Calling and stuff like that, and fell in love with it. I always love talking to bands about their influences. Like I, you know, you know me, I I research pretty heavily. But what was I reading about you, Billy? That uh, the first this is kind of cool because I think my first concert was like Spanky and Our Gang, which made me not be a musician. So uh, that's a great, that's a great first concert. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh yeah, it was killer. But your first your first concert was Van Halen. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a concert, and that and that's what sort of like you you stood there and went, oh shit, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to have that eddie van halen feeling like whatever you thought he was feeling up there on the stage yeah i i mean when i saw van halen in 84 i was 12 and uh, they were my favorite band and i cried <laughs> you did <laughs> yeah it was so great to see like because eddie was so um he just is it's like his guitar playing came from a different place like no one he reinvented how to play guitar and so but they also wrote great songs and i think that the, that's the main thing i i took away from van halen is the songs were just so fucking great did were you like that's what i want to do but were you clueless like were you like 
but how do you write a song? You know what I mean? Like, like you, you, you know, you want to do it. Yeah. But, but the idea that you could actually do it. So many of us think, oh, wow, it'd be really cool to do it. And then we don't do anything. We just kind of sort of not accomplish it. It, it. There's very few guys who go, yeah, now I got to go figure out how to do that. You know, how I can be Eddie Van Halen or something like that. Well, I realized I could not be Eddie Van Halen very early on because I would have spent the next like 13 years in my bedroom trying to figure out how to play guitar. So I think at some point it's like, you know, we started getting into more like punk and uh, a lot of melodic punk like Husker Du and uh the replacements and stuff like that and then i didn't know it was like oh these are about songs and it doesn't matter how sloppy you are as long as the songs are great then so that's sort of like where i kind of took that uh transition from going to wanting to play like like a heavy metal god to like oh this is like something that's much more like I, it, it's music that matters more or something so that's when we started getting into punk and that's what made me want to write songs I feel like you downplay your guitar ability, but I was watching this. You were at Norm's Guitars in, uh, I don't know what the, <laughs> what it was. Maybe you were promoting the fact that you had your own guitar line coming out or something. Mm-hmm. But I was watching you play, and then you started to sort of shred on this guitar that you had just developed with Gibson, I guess. And I'm like, well, this dude can really play. I mean, this is no joke. I mean, it's not like you're some three-chord guy. Uh, do you feel that people overlook your expertise as a guitar player and while you might not play in the style of eddie van halen you're you're a real you're not named as one of the great guitar players but i feel like you might be you you are do you well, do you know what you. i'm talking about thank you yeah i know i don't really think about it like i just i think i think of green day sonically as what we do together and it's like right. we, we always bring our thing together where you know it's like mike's bass playing and trey's drumming and how it becomes like that power trio and it's all speaking to each other so whatever guitar thing that i bring into it i I feel like i bring in what's melodically necessary for it but um yes i can shred a little bit i will say that i can yeah i I saw you do it i went like why why that's like a hidden secret of billy's like he can shred you know and you, you were playing this guitar I mean, I feel like the whole band is so tight. I mean, first of all, Trey, you are a motherfucking good drummer, man. I, I mm-hmm. have watched you over the years. He hits hard, right, Billy? Oh, yeah. Trey hits hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's a big guy. He's powerful when he plays the drums. He almost, you, you almost overpower the drum, right? I mean, that's your thing. You like hitting hard, right, Trey? Yeah. Thank God I get, uh, free sticks and free heads, man. <laughs> Do you actually break the sticks a lot when you're in concert? Do you? Do you I, because I, I kind of chuck them like every chance I get. If like there's a break in the song, I'll throw the sticks because I'm not taking any chances. Yeah, no stick last two songs for mm-hmm. Trey. It's impossible. Trey changed the band, right? When 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 you and Mike were together, and you got a new drummer, which was Trey, and he showed up in his tutu and whatever weird shit he was wearing and everything, and he charmed you guys. <laughs> He changed. He changed the band, right? Because suddenly it all gelled. It, it it the drummer can do that, right? People make jokes about drummers, but drummers, if they get the right guy, he can drive the band. Yeah, quite literally, I had a van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why they got you. Yeah. You drove the band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that um, you know the the there was limitations that came with the last drummer, which was. You know, he was a cool drummer, 
you know, what he, what he did, but it was definitely not like Trey was able to play different kinds of rhythms and sort of open the whole band up as writing songs. So we can not just do like one thing and like, so I think we, with Trey, it really brought in a sense of like, we knew that we could evolve because, you know, he could play pretty much anything. Trey, how old were you when you realized you could be a professional drummer? Like, when did you know it might be a career? Twelve. Twelve? Yeah. And when did you start playing the drums? Eleven. I'm so fucking amazed at that. So in a year, you got good enough where you said, I could probably make a living. Uh, I was cocky. I told everybody that would listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, talk about your first shows and your, like, the punk rock uh, My band, The Lookouts, um, like, we had a 38-year-old guitar player. Um, a 17-year-old bass player and a 12-year-old drummer. So what do you think it is? Do you think that you were, you know, I don't know a better word for it, but a savant? Like, and, <laughs> because in a year, you know, you know what I mean? Like, how do you know? And, and how do you get that good that fast? Were you just addicted to drums? Did you play every day for seven hours? No, um, like my first time playing drums, like, was uh, actually uh, at a, like, in a band situation, you know, that I joined a band that had some songs like, like my mom smokes pot, fuck religion, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> typical American fucked up kid. There's some of our songs. And, um, you know, I went in there as like an 11 year old and I just, you know, so I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And like, whoa, 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 hey. And, uh, Lawrence, the 38 year old in his infinite wisdom took away all my symbols. <laughs> he said, you start with drums, symbol. kid. Once you, once you get the drums down and, then we'll start, and he started giving me like one symbol at a time, uh, you know, as as it, as we went on, and uh, now I got a buttload of symbols. <laughs> so you weren't trying to be John Bonham or something, right? Like, I didn't that know who that the... was. I I, I, wow. uh, I was like trying to be like the drummer for like seven seconds or something, which is you know basically like polka beat on meth. <laughs> wow, that is just amazing. I, and Billy, when did you know you would be? like a professional musician i feel like with you it was like even when you were like a little like five years old you were writing songs i feel like you knew almost immediately um yeah i i mean i started i made my first record when i was five i know and you know do i have that i think i do have i gotta play that for people yeah yeah it's uh so i i yeah i started when i was five and i didn't know what I was really doing. And then I really wanted to learn how to play guitar. So I started that when I was eight. And then, um, yeah, I think, you know, as soon as I, especially I say around junior high is like when, you know, around 12, 13, 14 years old, I was like, yeah, this is, I, you know, I'm not going to be big enough to play sports or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I think I mean, music was the thing for me. I, you know, I, I've known that pretty much. Almost my whole life. Five-year-old Billy Joe Armstrong. Look for Love is the name One, of the song. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Look for love. 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 You needed Mike on bass on this. Seems to go wrong. I mean, for five years old. Yeah. You should have seen and, his uh, backstage writer when he was five, man. <laughs> yeah, right? A lot cool. of M&Ms. Chocolate milk, you know, <laughs> Tinker <laughs> Toys. 
Uh, oh, that's so great. Yeah, I my, love that. Yeah, my sister is actually on there. My sister Holly's singing backup on there on that also. So uh, I didn't know well, it, you, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, were you guys like the Von Traps? Were you like your sister music? Like, was everybody in the band? Uh, my sister, a couple of my sisters would sing backup a little bit, but I think they were looking at us as, you know, I think they wanted me to be like a Donny Osmond or something like that when I was, you know, I even sang like Puppy Love. How and old they, were you when you, when you started those, um, you, you took singing lessons, but you took them in secret because you were afraid the kids would, in the neighborhood would beat you up, which is true. I mean, they would, right? I mean, it was embarrassing to be taking music lessons, not music lessons, but singing lessons. Yeah. But yet, what a brilliant thing. What, did, did they help you? Yeah, absolutely. Mrs. Fiatteroni, she, they, I mean, she, she just showed me how to, um, carry a tune and kind of know how to use my voice and use like my diaphragm or whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, she, yeah, I mean, she was great. And, uh, yeah. And then, but she, it was a mu- small music school in, in Pinole, California called Fiat Music. And so I would go and, sing like in convalescent hospitals and veterans hospitals and i would uh you know i had gigs all the time and i'd wear like tuxedos and uh really yeah 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 it was uh it was pretty fun you would go in as a solo guy and play like uh, an old age home and 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 sing to the people let's say in the old age home or something like that yeah yeah and i would it's like sometimes i would (laughs) sing like uh, songs like Satin Doll or Chicago, and I would, I would like, it'd be kind of funny to see like a uh, like a nine year old being like a lounge singer or something like that. But it was that was basically what I was I was doing. Was your family amazed at this? I mean, because it wasn't like a showbiz fan. I know your your dad was a drummer, right? He yeah. um, he was a jazz drummer. But I mean, were they amazed that this young kid was taking singing lessons and applying it by going to an old? I mean, it takes balls to get up at an old age home. I used yeah. to do puppet shows at old age homes, and it took <laughs> balls, man. Let me tell you something. Yeah. And I was a kid, so I know what that's like. Yeah. And 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 it's a tremendous pressure, but it's also a real turn on. Wow, people are looking at me. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I was kind of a, like a, a an angelic looking little tyke. And so, like the the uh, they would I I would we, I we would go around and um, kind of talk to the older people and all the senior citizens and um, you know uh, my dad played backup he was playing drums with um, with with me too like while I was singing and um, it was a really cool experience like I have to say I think back then I. Um, it was always like, it was always like on once uh, on every Sunday that I would go and do these different gigs with Mrs. Fiatteroni and, um, and I was, I would at first I'd be like, Oh man, it's a drag. But then as soon as I got there, like I loved it because it was just the response, um, from the people were, it was always really cool. It sounds like your parents were actual cheerleaders for you. Like, you know, yay, Billy, go for it because. At nine, you wrote an essay in school that you would be a rock star. You, you know, you kind of visualized that. And it seems to me the family didn't put you down for it. Like if I said something like I once said to my father, one day I'm going to be the most famous radio guy that ever lived. And he said, that's fucking stupid. That's moronic. You don't know what it is to make a living. You know what I mean? It was like a soul crushing statement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But your family cheered you on. It seems. Yeah, they were, I mean, they were always cool. My mom was always a big supporter. I mean, we, like, Mike moved in 
and uh, to my to my my house well you know when we were teenagers and we used to set up in the living room and just jam uh, as loud as we wanted to and it was not a big house at all so but we wow. would we would jam and sometimes we would do it in the backyard and some kids would kind of look over the fence and see like what these guys were doing and uh so yeah i mean she was really super supportive of it the whole time there was you know she'd be making spaghetti and <laughs> mike and, you must have loved Billy's mom, the idea that you're around 16 years old and you move into Billy's house, like you slept there, right? Like you, you kind of moved in. No, I, I moved out when I was 15. And, uh, you moved, you moved out of your home? Uh, my, my mom said, Hey, I'm moving up north and, uh, you want to come with? And I said, No. <laughs> she said, Well, you got two weeks to find a place to live. And so I, when I rented a room from Billy's mom and it worked. Mike's, uh, microphone is, uh, kind of oh. shitty i don't know why yeah anyway. uh yeah. yeah moved out of 15 moved in with billy rented a room over there and we were able to practice all the time but mike was that devastating i mean what your mother says to you hey dude at 15 15 i was still shitting my pants yeah it I was mean, weird because the home life wasn't great at the time so i was like i would already gotten in a fight with her boyfriend and stuff i'm like you know what you do your thing i'm actually doing all right over here and uh, it worked out great for band practice all the time. And yeah, Billy's Billy's house—they were always very encouraging of like, just play. We could we could play anytime. And we were also both kind of latchkey kids. I mean, our parents were working all the time, even when we were, you know. I mean, his mom was a waitress, and she was working all the time. And whether my parents were home or not, they were always working. So we just, you know, left our own devices and undistracted. We had guitars. So Mike, as you got older. Was there this underlying anger? I mean, you can't discount your mom picking up and moving away and saying, hey, go out and, you know, like, I don't give a fuck. So if you want to go to Billy's house, go to Billy's house. I mean, that anger's got to show up somewhere. Yeah, I think it, There, less than anger, it was more, um, I took it as freedom, self-reliance, you know, and and just, uh, yeah, I grew up a little earlier, but I also had a lot more freedoms than most people did. Were you self-conscious in the sense that, well, I'm living at Billy's house and he's being gracious and his mother's being gracious, but who the fuck am I to be staying here? Yeah, I, mean, it- I was on my best behavior. <laughs> right. I, wor- I worked a lot. You know, I, I was working a lot. And then uh, it, it it just sucked because at school, I could forge my mom's signature. She had a real hard signature. So I had to like finagle my way when I missed a day of school or something like that. <laughs> did you wait, Did you drop out of school? No, I graduated. You graduated. Yeah. Billy dropped out. Yeah, we went on tour the day they waited, and we went on tour the day after. I, we started our first tour the day after I graduated. Which, by the Holy way, I learned absolutely God. nothing my senior year of high school, other than how to like <laughs> head a letter. <laughs> and and the first one of the first gigs was going to the restaurant where Billy's mom worked and playing there. Right? I mean, when you say you worked, it yeah. was like you guys would go to restaurants and play for a couple of people, right? Rod's Hickory Pit. <laughs> That's a real gig. Wow. You know what's so funny about that? When I think about the struggle you guys have been through as a band, I mean, I think your band is so brilliant, and I've told you that before, and I think the new album is fucking brilliant. There's a song you guys are going to do live, we're going to do it last, that is so good that I relate to, and I want to tell you about it. But when I think about the struggle of a band, and all the years you start playing at your mom's diner or wherever the hell she's a waitress, and then... Like when you start to get success with Dookie, there were fans who turn on you and go, 
hey, fuck you guys. You're sellouts. You're, you're, you're becoming too popular in this. And you're like, but that was the whole point. You know, it's fans are weird. They want to keep you for themselves. It's a weird phenomenon, right? They don't want you to become Green Day, this internationally famous band. They want you to stay down in the gutter with them in a way. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, people get really protective over, you know, something that they discover on their own or, uh, you know, back then it was like we didn't, we had our, our, you know, like, Records that we made on Lookout Records was a super small label, um, right. independent. And then, yeah, so when, when we went touring around the country, like it was all word of mouth. So, and then as soon as that word of mouth turns into a bigger explosion, I think that the, the people that were originally there get overprotective and, and then eventually some of them, yeah, they'll turn on you. Um, but the thing is, is like, it's, it's weird. Cause now that we've been around for almost 35 years, it's like now they're back again because <laughs> like they're like, yeah. <laughs> you're cool. Yeah. Right. So yeah. At some point they have to let down the anger, you know? Yeah, you know, for yeah, for sure. So, you know, the last night I just spent a lot of time listening to the new album. And then I was like on YouTube looking at a lot of stuff. And there's a you guys as a band covered. I don't know when you did this, but you covered. I, I just happened to discover this. We are the champions. Were you doing that at a queen like a like a benefit concert or something? Why did you do? We are the champions, and I was shocked at how well you guys played it and sang it. it was good. I love this moment, and the fans are going nuts. Yeah. Hard song to sing, Billy. What's that? Hard song to sing. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, can Billy sing this? And yeah, you could. Yeah. That is such a big song, man. Yeah. That's a beautiful. That's a rock anthem, right? Yeah, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. Like it's it just we used to play that um at the end of the show. Like the very end and then the show would be over. We but when we that was during the American Idiot tour that we did it. Oh, wow, yeah. I didn't realize that. I didn't know where it was from and I was like, "Jeez, that's really powerful, man." Yeah. Did, did you um you know those guys in Queen? I mean, you know, obviously not Freddie Mercury, but do, do you know, I mean, do you I've, know uh, Brian May or any I mean, of those I met guys? Brian May a couple times, and he's really cool dude, really sweet person. Um, but I, I'm, and he's another guy, like, as a guitar player that is, I wouldn't say he's underrated, but it's just maybe, maybe quite, you know, a little bit overlooked, because he, I mean, mm -hmm. those were, you know, he, that was such an, like, like, uh, uh, the way that he played was like, was him, you know, and nobody else can play like that. Did you ever get to meet Eddie Van Halen? Did you, um, hang with him at all? Yeah, I did one time. Um, it's, it was right when, um, uh, Van Halen got back together with David Lee Roth. And so, you know, we knew me and a bunch of friends got on a plane and we went to go see him in Kansas City because we didn't want to do it in California because we knew it was going to be a shit show. So what do you mean? Um, it just seemed like it was, you know, a lot of people were there like, um, hobnobbing and it was like, sh you know, a lot more celebrity and rock stars and things like that backstage. So right. like, I was like, let's go somewhere where like, it's like in the heart of like where rock fans are. So we went, we went to the Midwest to go see him play and it was, they were incredible.
like and when you say you go do you do you buy a ticket and sit in the audience because you want to experience it as a fan or are you sort of like on the side of the stage where are you when you see van halen um we saw him, we're on the floor level like about um i guess would be about 10 rows back and uh so we got uh, we had a perfect view of the whole thing so and who we, goes you you mike and trey do, do, do you guys go together as green day just to go experience van halen uh no he he went with you who'd you go with you went with a couple other people i went and saw him at a different point um yeah and what was that like for you when you met eddie van halen do you go up to can you be a fan and say you know dude I went to see it as a kid, and you know the reason. It was, it was kind of an, an emotional thing. It was, it, you know, first we went back and I met Wolfie, and he was super cool. And like he's like, "Hey, you guys want a toothbrush? I got a bunch here." <laughs> you know, cause just was on his backstage rider, and super cool. And then I went back, and then they were like, "Do you want to meet Eddie?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" And so he's back there, and he's got his guitar on, he's plugged in. And he's just, it's like he's talking to me and shredding at the same time. And I was just like, oh, my God. And then, like, I and, and I don't know if anybody really knows this, but the size of his hands are gigantic. Like, no really? one. Yeah. And I, and I grabbed his hands and I looked at them. And I was like, dude, your hands are so, he's like, oh, I got arthritis now and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, this, like, really insane thing happened where he kind of started crying like and he looked at me and he put his hand behind my neck like this and he goes he's like you're the only one that understands me and wow. he goes uh, and he was just had tears coming down his eyes and and i was like you know i was like and i, I didn't really know what to say i was like Man, you have no idea like how much you've meant to you know me as a as a musician and as a, as a, a songwriter. I was like, it's all about the. He's like, he's like people think I'm you know I'm an alien because of the way I play, and I'm like, well, it's all about your songs. And he goes, exactly, exactly. And then I it was this really kind of heavy experience, and so I went. And then the crazy thing is, it was this really sweet thing that happened is Wolfgang came in. And Eddie's shredding, and he's going, Dad, Dad, Dad. And he was like going, what? And he's like, we have to tune. So they both had their guitar and bass. They weren't using a tuner. They, they go, and then he, and then Eddie said the coolest thing that you could, it was like a father-son moment. And he goes, do you want to tune to me, or do you want me to tune to you? And I was just like, that kind of bond that a father and son had as musicians, I thought, was just like this, it always stuck with me as this beautiful thing. And then, then we went back out and watched in the crowd, and like it was just like a phenomenal show. Like it was so great. I want to understand something. Was when you went back there was before the show, so that's Eddie's warm up. In other words, he doesn't. Uh, he has to sit there and do scales or whatever the hell he's doing, whatever his warm up is. Yeah, he's get ready for that. Yeah, he's talking and like tapping and like just shredding on guitar, and it's almost like. It was like he was talking to me and shredding at the same time. But he, he was using his instrument as instrument to talk or something. It was such like he's such a musician's musician. Like it was just it was incredible 
to see him, you know, communicate. It's, it's almost like he can communicate more with a, uh, with a guitar than he could just like one on one, even though it was one on one. But it was like, I don't know. It was just one of those experiences. I've never seen anything like it before. Maybe he wanted you to see him shred like that up close because he knew you'd appreciate it. Or although when I talk to musicians sometimes and they're with their instrument, they're on another planet. Like it's not, I don't feel fully connected. I feel like they're lost in this sort of musical world that they're not entirely focused on me, you know? Yeah. Because they, they can't be, they're, they're focused on this, this connecting to the guitar. Yeah. It gives you power. You know, like yeah. you, it's a different feeling. Like as soon as you put it on, it's like for, for me, it's like I, you know, it's not like I turn into a different person, but I feel like I turn into a more of a powerful version of myself or something. It's like the thing that I go, I'm right. You know, it's like, um, it's like, it's like, it's like holding a gun, but it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, this thing that you grew up with and that you makes you feel confident. And it turns you into Superman. People pay attention when you got that guitar and you got some good songs. It's really magical. It's really something I'm so envious of. Like, yeah. Like you, like you did when you looked at Eddie Van Halen on stage when you were a kid and you went, man, I want to, I want to feel what this guy's feeling. You know, I, I, most of us would like to feel it. And so few of us ever do. They yeah. Man, the crowd like that. It, it's really, it's just really phenomenal. Do, are you guys hung up on the type of like, like Eddie spent his life looking for the right guitar and the right sound almost to the point like he would you know the frankenstein was like this mad experiment he's ripping guitars apart is it really important what kind of guitar you play or you don't give a shit well i think all guitars do a different thing and serve a different purpose you know every you know everybody's different and uh but i, I mean i love my my guitars that i love is like well i've had the same blue guitar since i was like i think thir 12 or 13 years old and right. then um and then I, I really love these vintage, I love vintage guitars, like, um, old Les Paul Juniors. Like, the why? Ones, they just have this, like, punch to them that fits exactly, like, wh how I like to play or what. And it, it, I don't know. It's just like the, the, the humbuckers are a little nastier sounding and they, they sort of buzz and, um, they don't, you know, they, there's no, it's just kind of, a, a big raunchy sort of sound like it's you like, mean the old humbuckers would be a little bit out of phase so you'd get a certain sound that you own that you hear and that makes you feel good yeah some humbuckers i like you know out of a les paul but then there's the uh i mean what is like a, like a, a a p90 is like a, a it, i think it's a single coil thing where it just it's just like just nasty it's like and you can talk into it like it's like a, a microphone you know but that oh. was supposed to be the lower model of the les paul which i think you, back in the 50s you could buy them for 50 bucks but now you see them on ebay it goes anywhere from 10 grand to 25 grand uh so but i got mine my first one i got it for um 1500 dollars back in the late 90s and then the price has just escalated after that and it, you know, and I'm kind of hung up on that story you just told about Eddie Van Halen. There's something sort of tragic in it, too. Like him holding on to you and holding your neck and saying you're the only one who understands me makes me sad in a way. Like, what do you what is he, what does he mean you're the only one who understands? Like, you know what I mean? What, where the hell was that coming from? It seems so sad to me. Does it seem sad to you? 
Yeah, I think he just got caught up in the moment, and I don't know. Maybe he was just surprised to see uh, me and my friends come to see him in Kansas City, but it was, well, if I think about it, I had an emotional response the first time I ever saw him play when I was 12. Right. So it's like that emotional, when he, like, you know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. He, I, I don't know how lucid he was at the time either, but right. he was, um, you know, he was just, you know, I, it was just one of those things. It was just like this heavy thing that kind of, I don't know. I, I didn't expect. I was just like, when someone comes up to you and go, uh, Eddie wants to meet you now backstage. And then like, I was just like, <gasps> okay. Heart is go. pounding. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. Totally. But it was, um, no, it was an intense experience. I, I mean, I don't know what was going on through his, his mind or, or, or whatever, but, um, you know, it was just, I don't know. It was just kind of, I, I, I don't want to like try to dissect it or anything, but it's just like what it was, was just like this kind of intense moment. I remember going to see you guys in the nineties and I was like very intimidated by the band. <laughs> there is a, there, I know you're laughing, but it, there was kind of, um, like, um, whatever the fuck you sort of punk attitude was or, I don't know. It just seemed like I was nervous to come up to you guys or say anything. And and I always tell that story that your backstage ritual was like you guys were like almost pounding into each other and beating the shit out of each other. I saw you. I was standing right next to you when you guys do it. You don't do that anymore, do you? That whole I never I never had that much energy in my life. You guys were like bashing into each other. <laughs> you, Mike and Trey were like in another world. And I thought either these guys are like saying hey fuck off everyone stay away from us because there's too many people back here and we're just lost in our own thing i don't know what was that ritual I, i've never really understood it and yet it was kind of it kept everyone away you know i mean it's it's probably has a little bit to do with the fact that we hit we hit the ground running yeah. you know we don't really warm up on stage it's like it's just that race car thing you know you get in it and put your foot down so you kind of got to build yourself up. It's like football players will do that. They'll be jumping around, going crazy, going yeah. nuts. And you got to get your heart rate up and you got to get ready to go out and, you know, make Scared the shit out of me, though. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scared the fuck out of me. You guys were like, they, you know, it's the same kind of thing when Trey would do that thing. On I, You got to, people have to, my audience have to go look on uh, YouTube. Every time Trey was on the Letterman show and you guys made an appearance a bunch of times. Trey would go over and almost attack Letterman, like like run toward him. <laughs> and I know Letterman pretty well, and he's pretty fucking paranoid about someone touching his neck or something, because he always has yeah. neck pain, you know? And I think he thought Trey was going to jump on him or something. But he was scared shitless of you, Trey. No fucking... I mean, like, it was crazy, right? Yeah, I uh, I was trying to get him in a headlock. <laughs> no. Were uh, you? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, the first time we did it, I... You know, that energy wasn't done yet. You know, playing one song is kind of hard. Yeah. You know, because we want to just, you know, all right, they thank you. It's like, now what? You know, shit, my <laughs> energy's like through the roof right now. Let's run around the Ed Sullivan Theater. Or let's. It's the funniest thing because the band finishes playing and then Trey is like madly running around the theater and like jumping on people in the audience. And it's just, it's like the greatest bit ever. I punted, you know? I punted a, a canned ham one time. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Did they that. ever like? Did Letterman's people ever come to you and say, "Hey, look, Trey, you got to calm down." Dave's every getting time. nervous. Yeah, every time. 
Oh, no shit. And then you did it anyway. <laughs> and they actually told me that, that Van Morrison like grabbed him one time and threw his neck out. And that's why he's kind of like, yeah, stay away. Stay away. Yeah. Keep him I, away. I, I, it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. I'm mean, <clears throat> sorry, David, if you're listening and I'm, I'm haunting your your retirement. But. <laughs> <laughs> he was really freaked out by you. Mike, does it matter what guitar you play? Like, is there a bass guitar that is uh, really important to you? Like, what is what is the guitar that, that matters to you? I think for me, it's a matter of cutting through with the, drum, with the drums and the guitar. Like, yeah. over the years, the sounds, have all got, the sounds have all gotten bigger. And so I just got to find the one that cuts through right. Is there that internal argument with the band? Billy, do you ever go like, oh, fuck, Trey and Mike are so loud. They, you know, I got, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, then, and then Mike's going, Billy's fucking guitar is so loud. I got, you know, like, is there the constant conversation about how loud you're supposed to play? No, I don't, I don't, I, it's my, my argument's always like, you know, when you go to buy a brand new car, when you go to buy a brand new car, they're always like, man, wait till you hear the treble in the system. Right. <laughs> They don't say that. They want yeah, the bass. Uh, right. It's the bass that drives the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, no, we never really get, get into it about that stuff. You know, I think Trey hits hard, so we just got to turn everything up. Before we get into um, the, the new album, I'm going to work my way to the new album, and it is a great album. I really think you guys have done something phenomenal. There's a couple of tunes on there that I really hooked into quickly. But um, I did want to talk about the fact that, um, I mean, it's an amazing accomplishment. I, I think it's the 30th anniversary of Dookie. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. 30th anniversary. And this morning before you guys came in, I was playing people some of the hits from Dookie. And it's it's unbelievable. Like almost every song on that album is a monster. It, it, how many albums did that sell? Do you guys track anything like that? Do you even know? Oh boy, sixteen million in the states or something now. Yeah, it went. It went. There's like a, a special award they give you if you go over ten million. It's called the Diamond Award or something. I don't think it exists anymore because everything is more about streaming. But uh, so we got. Does that one. drive you crazy, Billy? Streaming? Yeah, I mean. The, to me, the music industry has changed, and I'm sounding like an old fart, but I loved when there were albums and you sort of looked at the cover art. You know, I'm just stuck yeah. on that. The bands really mattered to me. and You, you know, know I, I think people are in still in, are more into albums now than they've been in years. Like, it's, it's, you can definitely see that, um, you know, you know, they have record store day now. And, um, so a lot of like, like younger people are, are getting into it. I think the problem with streaming, especially for some of the mid level bands is that, you know, they don't make any money and so, right. so it, it doesn't become sustainable. So, I mean, I just heard about a band just basically breaking up and they're like a sort of a mid-tier band i mean back when when we were touring in a van and stuff we could sell like our records and cds just out of the back of the van you know whatever right. and so I mean, we could make you know and i think also with like gas prices are are astronomical now and so it's it's really hard for mid-level to small bands to sustain being in you know 
it's just they're not making enough to live off of it. So they so, got to go on OnlyFans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be naked. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I, uh, I, when I was interviewing Bruce Springsteen, I said, Bruce, do you have nightmares? Like, what if you were an artist and you had to come up nowadays, you know? And he goes, quite frankly, I think it would be horrible. He said, I'm so glad I came up when I came up. And I feel like Green Day got in under the wire, you know, mm -hmm. it, when albums mattered. And it was just such a great time. And I think that explosion, I was a DJ on a, on a rock and roll station. That explosion in the 90s was unfucking believable mm -hmm. between you guys and Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins. You guys are going on tour with Smashing Pumpkins, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great bill. Oh, my God. That's yeah. That's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be great. Uh, with we Rancid and Linda Lindas, too. Rancid, the Linda Lindas. Um, so, cool. yeah, it's a stacked bill. It's going to be really fun. And, we actually have close some... With we have, something Sorry, to we have something to tell you about that tour, actually, Howard. Yes, it, to tell me. It's kind of, um, do you, do you want to tell? Oh, Can we tell him? Yeah, okay. We spill the beans? Uh, sure. Right here, Howard by Stern? the way, it is, I think it's the first time it's been said. Yeah. So <laughs> Good. An exclusive, finally. Here we go. <laughs> so we have, uh, it's the 20-year anniversary of American Idiot also. So those records came out. 10 years apart and so they're these milestones in our career so uh we're going to be playing dookie in its entirety and american idiot in its entirety on tour whoa so in other words when i go see this tour when you guys are out on the new tour which is starting when it's starting on i don't even know what days it's when is it starting in the american tour when is it end of may, end of may? the okay. end of may so when you guys go out end of may you mean you're going to hit the stage? Are you going to do Dookie like from start to finish? Yes, that's oh, the plan. That's right fucking great! That's great. Yeah. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever actually played an entire album all the way through? Yeah, yeah. We played um, we played Dookie in uh, in Las Vegas not too long ago on the, uh, at a club at the, when we were young festival. Um, and then, and it was really fun. So, I mean, and cause this February is actually like February 4th, I think is that the official 10 or 30 and 10. Let me tell you why that blows my mind here. I'm just going to give you a little sample boys. Cause maybe you forgot these songs. Listen. This is all from Dookie. I mean, even if you just had that song. And yeah. I think even when this album came out, I remember like watching MTV. I think you guys were on MTV with these videos and stuff like every, I would hour. say every hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no bullshit, right? Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And then if that wasn't enough for you. So tight. Look at you sons of bitches smiling. You're so proud of yourself. <laughs> I would be too. I wish I could write a song. And then... Beautiful. You know, you know what I remember? I saw you guys on, on video playing that Woodstock. I think it was Woodstock 94. And you were yeah. doing this song. And these kids are throwing mud up on the stage. Not, a, not as like a sign of I hate you, but I love you. And the fucking stage was covered in mud. And I was like, and then Billy, you started throwing mud back at the audience. Yeah. And, it was, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Do you remember that moment? 
Yeah, I remember it was. I I couldn't tell if we were like how well we were playing or not. It was just kind of. It was such a sort of a strange kind of scene that was going on. It was like the biggest show by far we'd ever played, and then you know it was filled with mud, and then all of a sudden you start seeing it fly up on stage. And so I was like, well, I was going to throw it back. And then as soon as I started throwing it back, and then it was like, it was just like a, a raining mud. You know, like, it was just back and forth. And then kids started climbing on stage. Just everybody was covered in mud. I was covered. You couldn't tell w- if the band was on stage or not. It was, you know, my guitar. Did it was, bum you out? No. I mean, it, it, it turned into something that was like a really... um kind of a beautiful thing that that happened and then like literally the next day i it, it like it had such a huge impact on like like we were just all of a sudden got bigger it was on paper you know back then they did the pay-per-view thing with it too so yeah. it was just and that was just kind of became the headline was so uh, funny green day mud fight at, at woodstock 94 because you know some bands would take that as like hey fuck you i'm getting off stage you guys are like oh this is beautiful we're gonna have a mud fight with the audience yeah i don't know everybody (laughs) reacts differently how come on dookie when you did welcome to paradise what this was released on an earlier record and why did you re-release like why did you put it on dookie was it because you were just at a better label and having more money to do it right the way you heard it yeah, that's one reason. Um, Rob Cavallo, our producer, who also produced Saviors and American Idiot, he he um, he was really like you know pushing for that song. And there was a couple of other old songs that we had recorded um, also that we didn't know if it's a song called Christie Road and another one called Four O Nine and Your Coffee Maker. But like, I think that we, you know, when we recorded the first time on the album Kerplunk, we had only rehearsed it a couple times and then recorded it. And then the song kind of got tighter and tighter as we went on tour. So we were like, you know, it's like, let's give it a shot and see if it makes the record. And now it's become like the staple for, for, By the way, for that album. And also from Dookie. Oh, shit. I mean, it's unbelievable how huge this album is. Did you have a sense when you were recording Dookie, because now it's 30 years later, but do you remember a sense of like, this is going to be so big? Like, I know as a radio guy, there are things that I sometimes think up that I'm going to do on the radio, and I know it's going to turn an audience on. Could you feel it at that point? Did you know that this was going to be this huge? I, I mean, I felt I felt really great about it. I loved it. Yeah, things were moving really fast. Things were moving really fast. It was hard to to focus on anything. It was like just do it to us and let put us in any situation, and we will be us. I think for me, like be- before the record came out, I was like, in my mind, we were already that big. And then once we started getting that big, I kind of scaled it back and pretended not to be. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I didn't spend any money. I just you know just like just you know the same asshole and the same you know. Dirty clothes. Do yeah. you think there was something about signing with a major label that kicked you into high gear for this record or something? Like, because now you were on reprise and you were like, oh, fuck, we got to come through. Yeah. I mean, we had, um, you know, we, we actually had people that were like, could get our song played on the radio. And, yeah. and like, that was the main thing for me. I mean, I was like, 
I mean, it'd be so cool to get played on the radio. That was just like a, like the ultimate thing for me. What was the first time when, with, with, I guess with Dookie is when you really started to hear yourself on the radio. Do you remember that moment? What you were hearing? What song? Yeah, we were on the, um, we, we were, there was a contest on the radio between two songs and what they were going to add. And it was on, uh, uh, Live 105 back in, um, in the Bay Area. And it was us and another band that were up for it. And we won that week or that day and it got added. And I remember driving in my car and then hearing it for the first time on the radio. And I was like, Oh, Oh my God, I can't believe it. And then I just wanted to hear it again after that. So it was, uh, it was like kind of like uh, that thing you do in, uh, you know, Tom Hanks, that Tom, uh, Tom Hanks movie where uh, the Oneaters or the Wonders like hear their their song for the first time and everybody's like freaking out and turning on. So that's what it felt like for me. Do you have the sense that you'd never want to go back to those days because they're a struggle, but there's also something so victorious in it, like so perfect. You're, you're all of a sudden you're getting famous. Your songs are being sung by everyone. There's no greater rush than that first sort of blush of fame, right? I mean, it's just, or, We're still or is it so much pressure that you can't even appreciate it? I, you know, I every know. time we put a record out, it feels the same way. You know, like I think, um, you know, there, I, I do, sometimes we'll, we'll go like the first day an album comes out and we'll just go buy it at the record store for like good luck or something, you know? Yeah. I sense you guys really, you know, I, I have to bring this up, too. I saw you guys playing Welcome to Paradise at a gig you did in a London pub. And I was watching it on video, and it's packed. And every it's like it was weird because it was a small little room, and you guys are Green Day. And uh, everyone first thing that struck me is everyone's sitting there holding up their phones. Right. Here they are in a small room with you. They're getting to experience Green Day up close in a pub. And these motherfuckers have their phones up. <laughs> And I'm like, well, what kind of, what is that weird? Like, again, I sound like an old fart, but I'm watching you guys live. I'm not going to sit there and hold my phone. I'm looking at a phone. I should be looking at you guys. Does that bother you at all? Um, it, 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 I, I have the same kind of reaction to it where I'm like, you know, be in the moment. You don't have to worry about what you're putting on TikTok right now. Like, you right. know, that's the, you know, and sometimes when we play live and people get or have their phones up, I tell them, let's put them away. But, you know, <laughs> just like put them away. Like, this is a moment that we, we get to share together and, you know, create the memory. Don't just try to veto it and, and you know, like, prove to everybody uh, you know look i was there you know it's like that's what know. it is it's yeah. trying to prove to your friends that you're having a better life than them like look where i am i'm with green day in a pub i can't believe fuck that Whatever you know what i mean buying a t-shirt <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah does anyone remember t-shirts yeah uh you, and you guys were in this tight little pub and then you got covid right you got uh yeah. because everyone was on top of you in a pub that yeah. never perform in a pub that's that's a big mistake it, it went viral Hey. I'm, yeah, no kidding. Hey, now. What, what, how bad was COVID for you guys? I, I'm, I just got old. I'm, I'm in the middle of getting over it. I'm still fucked up from it. Are you, are you guys okay? Yeah. yeah. I got it twice. Um, and yeah, it's all, it's all, I feel good now. Not a drip. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting to get rid of that drip. Anyway, um, as long as we're celebrating, like, I think that's great that you're doing a show and you're going to do the full dookie and the full american idiot that's a great show and you guys with the smashing pumpkins that's fucking awesome 
Yeah. That's just great. You, you, you tight with Billy Corgan, or is it just a professional sort of arrangement? Yeah, I mean, I've, we've hung out a couple times. It's crazy because we, we toured Lollapalooza with him back in 94. So it's like, it's kind of come, kind of come full circle, but his, his wife is really cool. Her, uh, her name is Chloe and she's actually a, uh, a pretty big Green Day fan. So I just remember talking to them. Uh, we were at a hotel and they were, you know, both of them were, there was like, Hey, how's it going? And we sat and talked to him and like Alice Cooper comes up and shows up. It was just kind of this crazy moment. And then, where's this hotel, man? I want to go hang with Alice Cooper and Billy Corgan. Yeah. It was at the, well, yeah, it's at the sunset marquee and, and oh, of course. And like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then we, um, and then later on we were trying to think of like who would be fun to tour with. And I was like, you know, I had a really good experience with Billy. Uh, and his wife, uh, Chloe. So like, let's, I just said, maybe they'll want to do it. So, you know, we reached out to him and said, do you want to do some shows with us? And then they were like, yeah, let's do it. It'll be fun. The U.S. tour dates begin at the end of July and the European tour dates start in May. Can we celebrate Dookie 30 years? Let's pretend I'm at the concert. Okay. And one of the greatest songs from that, that album is Basket Case. Uh, and um, it's great. I mean, it's just a great song. So this is one of the tunes that you would be doing at the concert, right? Absolutely. If we didn't play Still this, fun. We, you thought we had mud thrown at us before, we'd be throwing bottles. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to play this, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's the band, Green Day. Here's a, live in our studio. They're going to, um, we're going to celebrate Dookie right now. That's right. One of the great tracks from Dookie. Boys are getting their gear, which is so cool. Sounds called Basket Case. Do you have the time to listen to me whine? About nothing and everything all at once. I am one of those melodramatic fools.
Oh, shit. <laughs> wow, that song holds up, man. Watching you guys play that is the most fun thing I could ever watch. Oh, my God. First of all, it's important, you know, th there's a couple of things that happened during that song as a viewer, as someone watching you guys. When Trey first comes in on that drum part, like he's, there's such a great tension there. Like you're you're doing your thing with that song, and then Trey hits that first. What do you call that, Trey? Like that first thing you do in that song? A car crash? <laughs> no, come on. What is that called? Like a roll or what is yeah, what? It's it, a fill. A fill. What is that? Play that fill. Just do me a favor. Play that fill. It's so great because it builds attention, right, Billy? Yep. 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 <laughs> I love that. And then the other thing that turns me on, now this is me just watching you guys. When Mike harmonizes with you, Billy, mm -hmm. it, it, there's a friendship there that has built up over the years. The fact that you guys can play guitar so well and then your voices blend so beautifully. When, when did you realize that Mike was a great harmony partner for you as well? Immediately. You know, when me and Mike were, uh, kids, we, we would, um, we'd make, we met when we were, what, 10? 10. And so, I remember we used to, um, we'd make comedy tapes of just like, like, you know, being on cassette tapes and we pretend we were like radio DJs and then, I think at the time, like, Eddie Murphy's Raw was really popular, so, we we would we've repeat some some of those jokes that you can't really repeat anymore, but then um, that kind of evolved into just playing music, and then and like we just loved like I don't know like we were young and kind of weird kids, and we liked the Beatles, and we liked uh, Husker Du, and we liked uh, Everly Everly Brothers, and we thought remember, so we used to try and figure we used to try and figure out harmonies, so we'd you know Billy would sing into one cassette player, and then we'd have to get another one, play it next to it. And hit record on the other one, so we could get record. You know, get two harmonies on one tape. And, my, and Mike, what do you? Uh, I, I don't want to get too technical, but w when Billy would sing, you've got to come in what higher than Billy or below Billy. What do you do? Uh, usually, yeah, somewhere uh, in the middle or much higher. And 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 have you guys ever sat in a room and just harmonized together? Do you ever strip away the guitars and just try to see what kind of blend you can get? Oh yeah, that's how it started. Really, we would sit. I in don't my want to bedroom. put you on the spot, but Billy, I would love to hear you on my. What did it sound like? Like if you guys took a song right now, and I'm not saying sing the whole song, but if you were going to harmonize, what would it sound like stripped down without any guitars around you? Oh my God! I um, mean, like even on any song, even on even on Bad Case, what does it sound like without the guitars? Um. Lying on my bedroom floor Reminds me of the times we've shared Makes me wish that you were here Cause now it seems I've forgotten my purpose in this life Well, all the songs have been erased Cause I've learned from my mistakes, well Wow, I love that Oh, cool <laughs> 
No, but I mean, it's so it's so amazing to me that you both are able to play guitars and then able to do that on top of it. To, to me, it, it, you got to understand. To me, as a non-musician, it seems almost impossible. Yeah, that's that was the very from the very beginning of Green Day. We that's what we did. We harmonized together, and then you know, sometimes a lot of times we didn't have we'd only have one microphone, so um, we would sing in the microphone together. So it was like we were always kind of in lockstep together singing. Was there thousands of hours of practice of doing that? Like just sitting there and working out songs like that? It must have been, it, 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 that just doesn't happen overnight, right? I, th I think part of it has to come natural. And then right. later on, you have to hone in and go, okay, you got to really lock in on this part or this part. But there a certain amount of it, you know, you should be able to hear a melody. Um, it's funny because you'll watch TV shows where people go in and they want to be famous for singing and you realize, well, you really don't hear what you're singing, do you? Because you're awful. <laughs> but you have to have a little bit of ability. I'm, I'm not a great singer, but I, uh, I'm a mockingbird and, and I can always sort of assimilate to whatever is around me. And that song, of course, was called Scattered off of uh, Nimrod. But w why pick that harmony? Is that one you're particularly proud of? Like when I said do a harmony? Yeah, the whole song is, is harmonies. So I was just like, well, right. play, play that one. That was the first time it just popped up. So, yeah. When you were kids, did you ever try to do like a Simon and Garfunkel song together? Would you ever listen to those guys and say, that, man, that's like the ultimate? Man, you know what? Me and Trey, when he first joined the band, we used to do, um, do uh, oh, God, what? Um, not Bye Bye Love, but we would do um, Dream. Oh yeah, oh. dream, 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 dream. Yeah, we would do that. Like Trey, get in there. Let me hear the let me hear the harmony. Yeah. Yeah. with you. Nah. <laughs> no, I love trying stuff like that. Whether it's yeah. a quick one by the Who, or you know, I mean, and then you hear something really interesting har harmonically. You're like, you know, like the Beatles. I mean, come on, you you want to dissect it and go, how the hell did you do that? Yeah. Actually, um, before I was in Green Day, uh, I was friends with uh, John Kiffmeyer, their old drummer, and um, he was in this band called Isocracy, and he, he came up and he was like, guys, I just like, I, I'm in this new band, it's called Sweet Children, I swear to God, these are the fucking... Our generation's Beatles, these guys. They're the fucking Beatles. <laughs> yeah. I was like, o okay, John. And then I went and saw him. I was like, that's a fucking our generation's Beatles. And then and now I'm, I'm in the band, in so it. it's all good. Yeah, because if I could play like you guys, I'd want to do like, I'd want to do like, here comes the sun king. <laughs> yeah. You're hired. But, but, you know what I mean? I want to try every harmony. I mean, it's so great to be able to do what you guys do. It's, it, it's just too much. Now, hey, so the, the big tour is coming up and we were talking about the fact that that's dookie. And as we go through the chronology of songs, I mean, it, it reminds you how great this this band is because, gee, before we even get to American Idiot, I got to say, Brain Stew, mm -hmm. this fucking band, this riff is just so goddamn powerful. And don't you go like, how come no one ever thought of this before? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Every time I hear it, I go, this seems like something ACDC should have come up with or Ozzy should have come up with, you know? It was like, this didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, definitely the heaviest song that we, at that point, that we'd ever, we'd ever done. 
Uh-oh, there goes Trey. Yeah. Show off. <laughs> Look at this guy. I think we played this on your show when it was, like, yep. new. Yeah. Oh, I came in my pants. I never told you guys that. <laughs> I blew my load all over Fred's feet. It was embarrassing. <laughs> so to me, that those power chords, was that the first part of the song? I don't know who wrote it. Billy, did you write that song? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, Where you know, does that come to you? So I, I had just gotten, uh, I just got some recording equipment, and I was just kind of testing it out. Uh, this was right after we got home from the Dookie tour, and then I was just like wanting to kind of like mess around with it, and then it, and so I didn't know if we were going to keep it or not, and then I was just like. And then, and then just add, you know, added another. That's one. That's all you had. That's all. In I other had. words, that's it. That's it. And you probably said to yourself, maybe this isn't anything. I mean, it doesn't seem all that complex. You know, it's just simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then just I, I wrote a melody over it that was like, you know, almost Beatlesque or something that that kind of floated over the top of it. So it just kind of all kind of fell together. So you have that, and then you go. Like that. You don't have lyrics. It's yeah. just kind of like you hear this thing. Yeah. And and then you wait for lyrics to hit you, or you got your little book of lyrics where you go, I could put this shit in. That one I just sat down. I think I just, um, when, you, when you, I got the first line, I'm having trouble trying to sleep. Um, and uh, it's just a song, basically, is that's what it's about. It's like um, being, you know, staying up all night. I think <laughs> I had my first kid also, so it was like... <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. You can't sleep. <laughs> can't sleep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and so it was just kind of a nocturnal creep song. Oh, I thought the song was about meth, that meth was keeping you up all night or something. Yeah, like that's that. it. I, I didn't totally want to go there, but yeah, it was definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what did it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know why it's such a mind fuck? Here's substance that's not good for you and everything. But yet, look at the song that came out of not being able to sleep from meth. I mean, it's just, it's a mind fuck because you go, shit. Uh, what do I have to go on meth in order to write a song like that? <laughs> that's you know? how Basset Case started, too. Yeah. <laughs> crazy thank you Wolf what happens what? when so when you have some recording equipment and you start to come up with that riff and everything do you excitedly bring it to mike and trey and then wait for trey and mike to add something to it or are you sitting there going this is my song this is the way i hear it this is when the drum comes in um i, I put down a pretty basic demo for it and mm -hmm. um and then I share it with the guys and then, um, you know, I'll, we'll share some songs and, you know, we set the bar pretty high and, uh, you know, and I trust these guys as collaborators. So then we'll then, you know, we'll get into, well, it's the same thing that we've been doing for 30 something years. It's like we get into a room and we hash it out and then we just try to, you know, Mike, add, you know, adds his bass lines and stuff like that and then you know he'll look at me and i'm I'm like no 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 keep going keep going that's that's right he's like and then like trey's like what's you know there's a new song on the record called coma city and at the end of it it's just like this sort of a crescendo of us kind of jamming out together and um you know which is like trey is just com completely letting his hands go and it's um it's it's an amazing like drum thing it's like you know reminiscent of the who and it's 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 awesome
And that's probably pretty cool for you because when you come up with a song and the guys take it to another level, it's like, oh, okay, this is really good. Um, going along with the band's career. Yeah, I mean, there's so many songs I can play here. Uh, you know why I, you know why I love this because I love the story about. Playing this is so difficult that the calluses ripped off. Oh, off Trey's hands. hands. Off of Trey's hands by the drum. Is that is that a true story, Trey? Oh yeah. There's blood. Shit. It's almost like wipeout in a way, you know. Yeah. It, there's a. Is I heard that song. Um, there's a song called "The Ox" by the Who. Which I think is on their very first album, and it was like I wanted to kind of do something similar like that. So you're playing it, and you, what is it? You were playing it so often to get it right that your calluses started to rip off on your hands. Yeah, and it's you know it's, it's a lot of notes. <laughs> it's, it's a fast. lot of notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, uh, I mean, it's always kind of funny because me and Mike are just like in like, full gear on this one. And then Billy would like kind of exaggerate like how easy his part was at the beginning, yeah. and yeah. like kind of like walk around, take a drink of water. Meanwhile, yeah. we're pedal to the metal for two minutes before he comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the greatest drummer that ever lived beside yourself, Trey? Who seriously? Who is the greatest drummer that ever lived? I mean, I'm gonna piss off a lot of people when I say Ringo Starr, uh, just because I adore him. Um, I love Keith Moon, John Bonham, Buddy. and Meg White. And Buddy Rich, of course. What about uh, Ginger Baker? Yeah, he's, he's good. I, 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 but Ringo is a surprising answer because people... Ringo wasn't a showboater. He didn't like... Uh, maybe it wasn't the fanciest thing, but he held the beat and it... He played what's I supposed to be played in the song. You know? Extremely like, music. Drummers forget that they're playing a song sometimes, you know? You think that drummers sometimes have to show off the drum as opposed to supporting the song? Yeah, I think it's it's probably because we're like hiding behind the cymbals and we can't, you know, we don't get to wag our dongs in, in everyone's faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you ever get jealous of that? Do you ever sit there and go, wait, fuck, I'm back here? Uh, no, no, I'm pretty comfy back here. I like my little spot. I got a table. <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes it's, it's nice. hard to it's hard to keep him back there sometimes I got to admit that. Yeah. You well, you up. know, I think Lars from Metallica does a good job of like sort of integrating himself into the band. For some reason he's able to like almost stand up during playing the drums. You know what I mean? He's Lars has seen. a really unorthodox way of playing. Like he's I think he's a really creative drummer you know i think there's like the uh, as far as like the metal drummers of his his john even up till now the people that were influenced by metallica like i think that there's something very studious about the way other people play but i think that like the way that him and james hetfield play together is so just in lockstep and the way like his drum fills are completely unique to to the way lars plays i i i really I really dig the way Lars. He's a great drummer. Yeah, me too. He, and his energy is like infectious. You know, like he he uh, he's like a heavy metal muppet. You know. Yeah, he's, I love the guy. I yeah. do, and I I always call Lars whenever I have a drumming question. Like Lars, who's the greatest? Drummer? Right away, John Bonham. That's it. John Bonham and Neil Peart. That was his answer, if yeah. I remember correctly. Yeah. Anyway, going back to your guy's career. 
that, you know, we're just leading up to now American Idiot. This is why we celebrate Green Day today, and this is why you have to go see him on tour. I'm going to come see you guys on tour. When are you going to be in, like, the New York area, do you know? You probably don't know your schedule. Someone, someone is bringing that to me right now. Good. Hey, wait a second, Billy. I like that, what you were just doing. Uh, harmonizing. Yeah. When you wrote the song, did you ever hear like maybe you would have put a harmony in it, like what you were just doing? Yeah, I you know I was I remember listening to a lot of um, God, I was listening to uh, Beatles for Sale, um, like so, like Babies in Black, and listening to uh, Rubber Soul a lot um, around oh, that time. The best album, the best Beatles album ever is Rubber Soul. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, For Sale is one that always gets overlooked, but those are some, oh my God, great songs on that. You know, Babies in Black and um, right. um, I'll Follow the Sun. It's like un, unreal. I love that record. So it's funny to me, as I'm playing this for you, you hear a harmony. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, not a question, but a lesson learned in time. Wow. Yeah. I remember you said um, you were nervous the first time you played this because you were afraid you'd get bottles thrown at you because it was acoustic. It was a it was a move. It was a, a bold move for Green Day to put this out. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely nervous about uh I kind of knew it was going to be a single, uh, but, you know, it was just like there, I wasn't hiding behind distortion anymore. It was just totally naked. You know? Isn't it horrible that in life, especially as your career gets as big as yours, that you have to like be nervous about making a change um, instead of just having the freedom to creatively go somewhere and just not be judged for it? Yeah, I I think that that it was scary up until American Idiot, and then then we were just like it was full on. We're gonna you know this is gonna be a brand new thing, and it's gonna be a con concept record, and it's gonna be more political, and and I think we just made a really bold statement, and it became sort of a monumental moment in our career because we took that risk, and we took the chance, and um, yeah. And and from that point forward, we've always been like kind of mixing it up and doing other things. And um, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it's um, yeah, it's just we're we're unafraid to do anything. You know, we'll you know we'll try That's anything good. twice. It's like LSD. The boys, the boys like LSD. The boys <laughs> in Green Day are here today. They're we're we're celebrating a bunch of things with Green Day. First of all, we love having them in and. Uh, I don't, am I right when I say, like, maybe every three years you guys come out with an album? Is there a reason for that? In other words, does it take time to percolate ideas, or is it just like maybe from a business point of view, it's a better idea to wait a while and build up demand? I think it's you just wait. You got to be, it's like m making records, one of the biggest ingredients is patience. And it sucks. And it's, it really is hard because I, you want to put, you know, I would love to put a record out every year or something, but I think like having patience to do it, that's why it takes like, a, a, you know, three years. And we don't have songwriting partners. We don't have people coming in and like, you know, not that, not that I have anything totally against it, but I mean, we're, we just want it to be us. So it takes long for like, 
you know, me and Mike and Trey to get together and, and set the bar and create um, new songs. So, but Billy, you mean to tell me you've never sort of fantasized, not about like going outside of Green Day, but like, hey, maybe it'd be fun to write a song with Steven Tyler or like like or collaborate with somebody just to see where it goes like that. That to me would be like an itch you'd want to scratch. Yeah, I've, I and and I have before. You know, I mean, I did I did a record with Nora Jones, um, right? Where we did uh, a um, a record called Foreverly, and it was um, based on um, Everly Brothers' songs our daddy taught us. So it right. was, um, and that was really fun. Like we, so it wasn't really like a, a songwriting collaboration, but it was just sort of this uh, dedication to the, the Everly Brothers. But um, so that was really fun. Um, but as far as collaborating with writers, I don't know. I, it's not that I'm opposed to it. I'm just, um, it hasn't really come up, you know? So. You haven't really needed it. I mean, I based really on what the hell you guys have done. I mean, uh, so the boys have made an announcement when they go out on tour, what they're going to do to celebrate the idea that, uh, Dookie is, uh, 30 years old. They're going to do the entire album all the way through and then to celebrate American Idiot which is now 20 years old. Yeah. Is it right? Is it really 20 years already? Yeah. 20 years. They're going to do American Idiot all the way through as well, which, uh, you know, that's incredible. You boys better start memorizing these songs. <laughs> you need to do. Man, what an album! This I love. What what is that? What is that sound? Is that again? I'm not a musician. Is that is that something you do with a foot pedal? Yeah, we try to do it with a foot pedal, but we um, we just it's like we hold out chords and then like we went like the engineer went in and chopped it up to make it in in sequence with the song. So use, oh, it's like use the faders. Yeah. It was uh, it, what do you? It's like uh, like a what do you call it? Like a, a, a vibrato pedal or tremolo? Like a, yeah, it's like a like. But you what you do? We did it on the computer. Just chop it up so it's like in perfect time with the, with the song. You didn't originally hear it that way, right? Like in other words, you probably recorded the song and said, "Hey, what if we cut up? Like, what if we created this sound? Maybe." Yeah. Um, and it's I, almost like a who thing, like like when they do that. Yeah. I, I never it's pretty thought about cool. it. Yeah. And then cool. well, if you're at the concert, the boys will then go into this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey now. Hey now is right. Oh yeah. It's such a great. This is the you know you've talked about this. I'm not saying anything new, but it's about the Iraq War and uh, going in there. We were totally lied to, and they yeah. went in for that one. Totally lied. Yep. And it almost sounds like a, like almost like a like a, a salute or something. You know, I don't know. It's just such a great song. Love it. I Thanks. Mean, that's fast. Man, and then of course, summer has 
When you listen to this back, do you like what you hear? Do you do you are you the kind of critic that goes, Oh, maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have harmonized. Maybe I should have played it in a different key. Or are you just satisfied? I'm satisfied. Yeah, that whole record I'm really proud of. I don't think we I don't think we could have done anything different on that on that album. What a wonderful feeling. I yeah. mean, I know like I like to paint and there's mm-hmm. times I finish and I go, Oh, I should have I didn't get it right. You know, it, I tried, but it didn't turn out for some reason. But no regrets on this album. Nah, not a single one. Anyway, the boys want to celebrate uh, this great milestone of American Idiot being 20. So now they're going to play live in our studio, Letter Bomb off American Idiot, which is another great, great song. And, um, I mean, what's to say, Billy? It's just a great song, right? Anything you want to say about Letter Bomb and why you chose this today? Um, well, this one's a little bit of a deeper cut that we don't, we haven't played, um, you know, but we play it, but we don't like play it on, uh, the Howard Stern show or, right. um, or television <laughs> or whatever, but it's, uh, we just wanted to, you know, this one, it's kind of a dedication to the, uh, the anniversary. So, so we will be playing, it's a deeper cut. So we will be playing it live. So I, I love when you play the deeper cuts because we don't hear these all the time. And um, uh, it's a great song. Go ahead. All right.
Robin's panties just landed on Trey's head. I can't I'm believe dancing it. dancing oh. around in my room. That is so beautiful, boys. You know, isn't it funny? Like, you know, you call that a deep track or whatever. But that could have, like, aren't you surprised by what becomes a hit? And what becomes like a sort of what they call secondary track. You never know, right? That, I mean, that song's so powerful. Like, doesn't it surprise you in a way that it maybe wasn't a bigger hit? Uh, well, it, you know, it never got released as quote unquote a single, but I think for us, what's, it's, it, what's important is making albums. Um, right. and so this is a song that was like a part, a big part of the album. Um, so yeah, you have Boulevard of Broken Dreams, you have American Idiot and Wake Me Up with September Ends. But I think that like this songs like that are become kind of the most important part because it really tells the story of what gets deeper inside the record. And so when people hear it, they are, they're like, Oh my God, like you're just having, if you're a music lover, you know, you, you have a big understanding of, a better understanding of what's going on inside the album. It's like a book, you know. Are you, um, at this point in your career, an American idiot then? I mean, like you're almost, you're not seeing anything unsuccessful in your career. Are you, do you start to worry about keeping it going or you're like, well, we've got nothing left to prove? Do you, does the pressure start to get to you? Does the record company start to expect these huge albums from you where there's no room for failure? What's what's your life like at that point? Um, I I don't know. I mean, we I mean, we're always trying to outdo ourselves. I mean, not right. I mean, it's it's far as like, you know, doing something different or doing something new and but, but it's always about making things fresh. You know, I mean, I think there's certain records like Saviors that are kind of like this meant to be like the ultimate Green Day album. And then there's records like the last record of, you know, Father of All, which is sort of this big, this weird record that was wild that like not everybody sort of understood what we were going for as far that maybe kind of divides the fans a little bit. But, um, but I think that's important. I think you have to keep things interesting. And yep. that's part of being a musician is to, to challenge yourself. So the other thing we're sort of, uh, I guess, celebrating today is uh, Green Day's new album, Saviors, comes out this Friday. And uh, you never know what to expect from Green Day, but I, I think this is just one of their most brilliant albums. I really do. Um, there's a couple of tunes on here that uh, I want to talk about. But um, the one you're going to play live, mm -hmm. I think, is, for me, the best song on the album because I relate to it the most. Uh, as, as a human being, I, I now the, the song is called Dilemma. Mm -hmm. And I think your dilemma, th this is about addiction. I, 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 tell me if I have this right. Yeah. And sort of the mental illness of addiction, the pain of addiction. Like, like some of the lyrics in here are pretty amazing. It's, uh, I was sober, now I'm drunk again. I'm in trouble and in love again. I don't want to be a dead man walking. Welcome to my nightmare <clears throat> where dreams go to disappear. Sit around in rehab, feeling like a lab rat. Strange days are here again and it's getting weirder. Here's to all my problems. I just want to drink the poison. I don't want to be a dead man walking. Yeah. I heard uh, when I heard this frizzle, the song, the music is really powerful, but <clears throat> I have suffered my whole life from OCD. Mm. Uh, really bad. It's crippling. And uh, it's a mental illness. Mm. 
And every day I wake up and I go, fuck you. Like, what, what? why does my life have to be so tortured? And I think maybe what you're saying in the song, again, this is me putting my shit into you. But the, 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 like when you fall off the wagon, it's like, I, I can't believe I fell off the wagon, right? Like, like, how come I can't control this? How come I can't defeat it? And it's the most frustrating, most horrible feeling. Do I have that right, Billy? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I did, I was sober for five years and then I thought that I could kind of go back and be like, uh, you know, just a normal drinker again or somebody like, something, right. like, you know, and then, and I think I was for a little bit and then it just escalated and, um, it just got to a point where I was, you know, physically and mentally just drained and, um, I just felt terrible i got tired of i got tired of feeling tired as they say and then um you know this song was written while i i was drinking you know and it was uh it's 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 a strange yeah it's a strange feeling it's like one of the most honest songs i've ever written there's nothing about it that is like a um there's no like metaphor or anything like that it's just like one of the most honest songs I've ever written. And I'm really, yeah, definitely, it's one of my favorites on the new album. I responded to it right away because of its honesty. And also, it's it's a damn catchy song, which you guys always manage to get some sort of hook in me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really felt your pain. And, um, you know, it's weird, too. Why is it everyone always thinks they can start drinking again? I mean, you always think you have it sort of under control and then... Yeah. I guess you know, you know, you know do you th just feel envious that other people can drink? I don't so much anymore. Like I, um, I, you know, I have a great group of friends that like are sober. I think like in a ways like, I think even after the pandemic, because people were had kind of been turning to the bottle a lot more during when during lockdown. But I think at like post pandemic, I, I've just, I feel like that I've noticed more people that want to do without it. Um, or, or try to, to focus on that more. Um, so, which is, you know, uh, but I've got a great group of friends that I go out with and we go see shows and, um, and we're still able to have a, a good, like, kind of not, you know, a, a good sexy nightlife, you know, so it's right. a good, you know, night out, but we just do it without drinking, you know, so, um, they make a lot of great, great uh, non alcoholic beers now too, which I, I really enjoy. Um, really, I find those, I don't drink either, and um, I have them for years, but I find those al non-alcoholic beers sort of a, a temptation, like, like it's like, ooh, you know. I think for some people me. it is, definitely. Um, yeah. But not so much for me. I mean, you know, the fact that I got up and was able to do this so early in the morning to come to your show is like, and feel good right now, um, right. You know, that's an accomplishment for me, you know, so... Do you believe do you me? We've definitely come in in your show, definitely hung over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it? Is it? Are Mike and Trey in the same boat? Like, do they not want to drink around you, and do they want to be supportive that way, or is it like you're like, hey guys, that's not your demon. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's not their thing. They're, I know. I you know. I I I like that. Still, we still have great camaraderie, and when they're. They want to uh, have a couple drinks or or whatever, and especially like we're in such a it's we're it's be, like putting the new record out where everybody's kind of in a celebratory mood right now. But right. no, I, it's like I don't it doesn't bother me. 
So this song, again, I, I can't wait for you guys to play it live. This is from the new album, and uh, I think it's a motherfucking winning song, and I, I really responded to it in an emotional way. So I'm anxious for people to hear it. Have you ever performed this uh, anywhere? Um, yeah, we did it um, uh, for the uh, Dick Clark New Year's Eve thing. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I love that you changed around American Idiot. I know you get shit from... 50% of the country, but I think we're, I love that you guys are vocal politically. I think we're in big trouble. And, uh, I just played clips today of a guy saying, I think we need a dictator. This yeah. voter in Iowa going, I think we need a dictator. I go, are you fucking kidding? My parents' generation fought dictators. They yeah. died so you could fucking be free, you asshole. Yeah. Um, I wish more bands would be outspoken like you guys. I, I applaud you for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I think it's like politically, it's about like trying to, uh, connect with people instead of, you know, being like, uh, preachy or anything like that. It's just kind of, it's like, I think a lot of the politics comes from just like fe that feeling of confusion where the, you know, there's things that are out of your control, you know, um, uh, so that's sort of where it, and I was really so surprised at how the reaction was when I changed it to, uh, um, don't want to be, I'm not a part of a MAGA agenda. I didn't know, like the next day I woke up and like everybody was, and I'm like, what is it? Why is everybody texting me right now? Like, I, it's not just to say happy new year. So it, <laughs> right. it was just like, I was like, Oh, I've been saying that for a while. So I don't know. But I was, well, all right. Well, you know, ruffle some feathers, you know, clutch some pearls. It's all good. I think it's because you did it on. ABC, New Year's, Rockin' Eve, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like where you do it. Because you guys have been changing up those lyrics for years to sort of express yourself. Yeah. I think it's important. I think I think you could influence people to maybe open their minds up a little bit and think about what they're saying. Yeah. And I think one thing, there's a couple of things that I'm really proud of. And when, you know, saying it is I, there was, I think someone on Fox News was saying uh, something, you know, to the degree of like, shut up and dribble, but like, shut up and sing. And I was like, well, yeah. I did sing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's what I sang. Yeah. And then, and it wasn't like a tweet that got thrown out there to, you know, there was no, it was something that it's like, it was like from the power of music. It wasn't from, you know, something that goes off into the algorithm ether, um, you know, trying to, uh, you know, have some kind of, um, you know, telling people like what I think on this is what I think about, you know, when I'm on Twitter, it was like, I just put it out there like, you know, I sang it and, you know, people responded. That's what I loved about the 60s and 70s during the height of the Vietnam War. The the bands would come out, Neil Young. I mean, these guys would go in the woods and write a song like Ohio in 20 yeah. minutes because they wanted they had a statement to make like, hey, fuck this. This is wrong. And, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised by the incredible reaction. Elon Musk is started, uh, attacking you guys, <laughs> you know. Nice car, weird. dude. <laughs> <laughs> you should have written, stick to your cars. <laughs> yeah. You know? But this song you're going to do from the new album is uh, so great. I love it. And uh, this is from the new album, Saviors. And it comes out this Friday. But this song in particular, Dilemma, is uh, really Billy's dilemma, and um, and I relate to it. It's our dilemma. It's all of our dilemmas. Yeah. 
not an invitation. This is my dilemma, and it's my obsession. said that that's a winner man that is just oh that is fun oh thanks wow hey i gotta introduce the rest of the band that's here with you guys too it's just not all about trey billy and mike i mean we do have to say that uh uh jason white is here um and uh he's playing guitar yeah nice jason job, white's jason. been with us since 1999 yep Playing and uh, that's a big deal when you guys bring in a new guy right i mean it's uh that's a that's a big decision He's our Ronnie Woods. Yeah. Yeah. He's Ronnie Wood. Yep. Yeah. Look at yep. you. Yep. We, uh, he's, we... he's a show off too, by the way. I see how he plays that guitar. <laughs> it kills me. By the way, you guys sling your guitars very low. I mean, um, that's part of the Green Day look, right? I mean, that's the cool thing. When you see some dude on stage with his guitar 
all the way up to his like tits. It's it's too it's not it's, right, right? It, yeah, that's bothersome. I don't. Yeah, I, I've always just like <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just gone down slower and slower through the years. So I'm trying to cover our junk. <laughs> yeah, right. That's <laughs> my back is still good, so that's all right. No, you're very comfortable to talk. Hey, by the way, Jason, now that you've been with the band uh, a while, are you now allowed to look Billy in the eye? I know in the beginning he said, just keep your head down and don't look me in the eye. Is that true? about a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. Yeah, so, so you, you like looking at him. Now it's mandatory uh, to, to gaze lovingly in his eyes for like an hour a day. <laughs> he does it to make me feel uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, uh, Kevin Preston is here on guitar as well. Hi, Kevin. Great job. Enjoy watching you. Thank you. And also, uh, Jason Freeze is here on keyboards, which, uh, man, I'm enjoying watching the whole band together. Yeah, Jason. And when you guys go out, do you guys, do, Billy, do you still practice the guitar every day? I strum it, you know, pretty much every day. I have guitars everywhere in my house, so, um, and it, even when, like, like, Green Day's not playing, we, we have a cover band that we put together called the Cover Ups, and then we go and we play the clubs and just, you know, play Plimsoll songs and uh, kidding. like Billy Idol and yeah, it's just we get just you just get out and have fun, you know, and uh, keep it um, yeah, just make it fun and like the, take the pressure off. And I think I think it makes you a better musician, you know, because it's just like hopping through someone else's song, you know, it's great. I remember uh, you guys covered for my album, the Private Pro Private Part soundtrack. You did um, uh, tired, you know, so tired, tired of waiting. <laughs> I was honored to have that on the private part soundtrack. Did um, what's the best song to cover? What do you love to cover the most? Oh my gosh! I mean, I love playing Ziggy Stardust. Um, oh, yeah. we play great. like and then like all the young dudes. We play. I love that song. Don't yeah. you? Did you ever meet Bowie? Not really. No, I've, I've, we've in passing, and I've always just been like, "Oh shit, Steven Bowie." <laughs> I just as a fan, I think it just like, but yeah, we've we've played a couple of like festivals together and stuff. Oh really? I didn't know. Suffragette City. Yeah. Anyway, those are all good songs. Um, uh, yeah. And the, so, anyway, I want to say, first of all, Green Day is doing a concert, a small stage concert for Sirius XM. That's tomorrow at Irving Plaza, and that's going to go on for some of the Sirius, lucky Sirius XM subscribers. We will be airing that on Monday night at 7 p.m. on Howard 101, so you can hear Green Day in all their glory. Um Oh, by the way, how did it go? I know you were on um, Jimmy Fallon last night. You you did one of those things where you go down to the subway and you, like, pretend you're, like, a, bu a busker or something, right? You pretend you're not Green Day. Yeah, we uh, we, we were we had like disguises on, and we, we looked like something out of it was like we looked like Leonard Skinner's opening band or something, like the Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers. Yeah, we I think we call ourselves Tracy, and then call ourselves Brad. But uh, we went and we played um, that Bad Company song, uh, "Feel Like Making Love." That's and a great song, right? We, we I love, love that, that song. song. Yeah, it is it's great. so good. That was a great band, uh, Bad Company. I, I think. Um, don't you know that you are a shooting star? All those classic hits. Yeah, rock and roll yeah. fantasy. Right. 
Yeah. Now, so when you go down to the subway, the idea is that nobody knows it's really Green Day. Do, do people just walk by when they don't know it's you, or do you start to attract a crowd? We started to attract a crowd. Um, I think some of the fans started getting suspicious about it so they just kind of made their way down there so right. and it was i was i was blown away as i'm like jimmy's enthusiasm about i mean he was almost having like an out-of-body experience the way he was losing his mind it was right. so fun just to watch him you know beat the shit out of a tambourine and and you <laughs> know right. then we you know we played american idiot and basket case and played dilemma Did we play Del- yeah we played yeah, dilemma yeah. and then this new song called look ma no brains and uh it was um it was just one of those like special moments like bam we're playing the new york subway and there's all of these people just having a great time and it was sort of a dream come true. It was one of the funnest like TV experiences I've ever had for That's sure. That's great. I mean, Jimmy is a huge music uh, fan. Um, he was with me this weekend actually and we were kind of celebrating my birthday and talking and, uh, uh, he, he is like a musical encyclopedia and really loves musicians. So I can yeah. imagine that's great. Um, so, um, look, uh, the boys have a new album out. Coming it's called up. Saviors. Well, coming out Friday. That's right. A yeah. um, uh, lot of great songs on it. I'll, I, I want to mention just a couple. Father to a Son. I like this one because uh, you've said this. It's a continuation of Wake Me Up When September Ends, which I like. I like that. It, this is now you singing to your son, right? Yeah. Wake Me Up When September Ends was about you missing your father. And yeah. losing him at a young age, and now here you are singing to your son. Yeah. Storm from the day that you were born, a promise, father to a son. Your mother said it best. We will be put to a test. That's the truth. Father to a son. Do your kids bust your balls uh, all the time? I mean, it's hard being a parent, isn't it? I, I have a great relationship with them. They're, it's, they're both... I couldn't... I, they're both really cool dudes. They're grown up to be really good men now. Like My my oldest is 28, and my youngest is 25. So, um, Well, that's what... Uh, I can't believe you have kids that old, but um, you, you started really young. Yeah. My kids... My, my What I love about my relationship with my kids is they will... Like, they just will call me out on everything. They keep me very humble. Yeah. And, no, uh, no. They. I, I mean, they will, definitely. You know, especially my older one. <laughs> <laughs> Are they musicians? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my my youngest is he's in a really really good band. I'm not just saying that. I know I'm biased, but he's in a really good band called Ultra Q. And if you get a chance to check them out, they they do have a, a record and a couple EPs out. Um, and they're they're fan- I'm really proud. He's a singer songwriter, so he's doing good. Does he come to you for advice, or is he like I want to keep it separate from you? He keeps it separate, but he. Uh um, he gets excited when he'll have a new, he'll make a demo and he's like, dad, you want to hear it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, so he, uh, um, it's like, it's nice. We, cause we have a, it's like a bit of a hidden language that we can talk music. You know, it's like, it's not like we can play little league baseball anymore together, but so right. now it's like we can, you know, it's, it's just like nice to have these great he, conversations about chord changes and, 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 you know, songs. Do you jam with the kids? 
I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. We Shit, I, that's I, great. Yeah, because well, my my oldest is a drummer, so yeah, we get together and and yeah, we play. It's, it's Shit, really I wish fun. you were my father. That'd be so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, Trey. it comes from my mom. She let us you know play in the living room when you know we were kids. Trey, are you worried every day that Billy's kid is going to, uh, you know, that he's going to just, Billy's going to come to you one day and say, listen, i got to play with my son. I have no choice, Trey. That's it. It's over. Yes. I mean, every day. <laughs> um, that's a beautiful song. I made a few mistakes, but I'll never break your heart. A promise father to a son. That's the I first time that song was ever on the radio. Yeah. Is that right? And then uh, I'll tell you what. I like the American dream is killing me. I think it's great. I like this part, man. It's very fucking powerful. Nice. Drumming beautiful on this. I like that, man. That's... That's rock. In other words, when you say the American dream is killing you, in other words, a lot of people, even though there is an American dream, they can't get the American dream. Not everybody's, you know... No. Green Day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I don't think of Green Day as like living an American dream. I think we are living the dream. Um, right. So it's, um, I think it's really difficult right now. Like I always think about like my parents who are very, very working class. My dad drove a truck. My mom was a waitress. And, you know, back in the seventies, they were able to afford a home and that they bought and raise five six kids in it and um i think that that is not really something that people can attain right now and you're right and you know especially living in california as like as like you know the middle class or or whatever or even being working class where we come from people were able to to um you know afford the house you know and it's uh uh, I, I think that that is ultimately what the dream kind of is, is to be able to kind of move up in life. And I, I don't think that's what's really happening right now. Answer one last question for me on this song, Susie Chapstick, off the new album. I really like it, but I... What do you mean when you say you demo this four ways on your phone? In other words, you sing into your phone or you play into your phone, and then you combine all the parts into a song... Just explain the process to me. So I had that melody in my head, and then I sang it into my voice notes in my phone. And then um, there was another time where I, I played this little piano part where it goes, it's like a... And it reminded me of like something like the cardigans or something. And then... Um, and then I, I played it and it almost sounded not like a bossa nova or something like that, but it was just a little kind of cheeky sounding. And then ultimately it kind of, I, I opened up and played the chords more something that felt like, like teenage fan club or like the pretenders or something. And then, um, so that's kind of, that's the evolution of the song, you know? Wow. And why Susie Chapstick? Is that the the from the Chapstick ads in the nineteen seventies when you yeah. used to see Susie Chapstick? Yeah, yeah. So that's oh wow. It yeah. was like a working t working title, and then I decided to keep. And it. you kept it. Yeah. You do that sometimes, right? Like you just need a title. It has nothing to do with anything, and then suddenly, sometimes it works. Yeah. There's a good guitar part here. Well. Is it weird listening to it through the radio as opposed to in a studio? 
I think it sounds amazing. It makes yeah. me really happy. Sounds really good. Do you ever do that thing where, like, you record a song and then play it through a tiny speaker so, like, you'd be hearing it on your car radio? Um, we used to. We used to have a, what they call an oratone, but we haven't done that. We used to have a pirate radio station that was hooked up to our studio. So then we would play it through to just hear what it sounded like, the radio compression or what it sounded like. But it did, the pirate radio station didn't go to anybody, did it? Or did it go through, like, the town or the community? It, yeah. it ended up in an FCC van. Yeah. <laughs> we used to cut in. Really? All sorts yeah. Of yeah. Oh, that's badass. Yeah, we ended up, it, we, like, and then we accidentally uh, caused a blackout in, like, in Los Feliz. <laughs> you guys are nuts. You mean you set up a pirate radio station just so you could listen to your music on the radio and to see how it sounded? Well, we would play, like, other people's songs we had like you know that so what's that christian slater movie uh that he was in like uh oh where God. he has a where he had that uh pirate radio station yeah yeah that. yeah and yeah. so we uh he'll pump up the volume so it was like like what's that you know so we bought the gear and then we set it up and put the in and it we got a really really powerful one where it was just like like it, like people. We, we, other people's stations were like they were losing their signal because, because yeah, of us. yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to do that because people who buy a radio station, you are overpowering their station. And yeah, they, yeah. Oh, the neighbors had a, a cordless phone, and he's he's hey, he's like all I hear on my cordless phone is is your radio station. Man. Can you like? <laughs> no, he came back and the FCC had put a card on the yeah, that was on, one the, on the door. Yeah, we can't because it was on uh, my rooftop where we were staying. We were recording 21st Century Breakdown. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and there was like an FCC card that was right there. They knew exactly where it was coming from. And what were they saying? Like, hey, dudes, you better shut down this radio station. We're going to fucking come after you and find you, right? They eventually came back and wanted to see everything. But our guys had actually locked it all up in a trailer. And then um, they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't unlock the trailer without a uh, without a warrant. Yeah, it, it is like that when the in the Godfather when they send the horse head inside the guy's bed. <laughs> were, like, were, were you scared we're, at we're all? Or you, but but did you? You know what I mean? You're breaking the law. I mean, it's it's you weren't scared. It's just like, hey, fuck this! I'm going to do it. No, we weren't. We didn't really scare. We just took it down. You know, we they they they, they were on to us, so we took it down. But how cool though? Have, like, we, yeah, we still have the equipment. How cool for the neighborhood though? Like, hey, Green Day set up a little uh, radio station just for yeah. our, our our area. No, we, we used to do it down in like Newport Beach uh, in Orange County, and um, we set it up pretty powerful. And like like so, all of like the surf shops and the surfers would, you know, <laughs> we would play like the blues and punk rock and stuff. So they would, and when it was on twenty four seven, so we'd have like playlists that would kept going. And uh, thanks. Did you have DJs? We did liners. We did yeah. all of our own stuff. Yeah. Actually, wow. thanks to SiriusXM, we have one again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, by the way, you had 107. There's, there's so much to talk about. But all right, listen, I'm not going to hold you guys here all day. I'm, the, your family is going to get nervous. Um, let's, let's announce. Let's sum it all up, guys. This is a, a lot to sum up. First of all, Green Day's new album, Saviors, comes out this Friday. It's tremendous. Listen to Green Day Radio through January 23rd on Channel 107. And you guys are actively involved in that. You pick the music and all, and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. We went um, deep into storytelling and everything. 
And but this is more legal than your other radio station. <laughs> you guys should buy a little radio station and just continue to do that. I think that'd be great. Uh, they're so cheap now. I think you get them for like ten dollars. Um, <laughs> Green Day's uh, Sirius XM Small Stages show is happening tomorrow at Irving Plaza for our subscribers, and then uh, we're going to air it on one hundred and one, which I'm really excited about. Oh, sick! Um, the Savers, uh, the Savers U.S. tour begins July 29th with Smashing Pumpkins. What a show! Yeah, and Rancid and the Linda Lindas and the Linda Lindas, and they'll be playing. The boys have announced this morning. Which is incredible to me. They'll be playing all of Dookie yep. and all of American Idiot, plus, of course, new songs from Saviors when they're on tour. I think it's going to be a great show. What did I miss? Did I miss anything else, boys? I think uh, I think we covered it all. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you guys personally for getting up so fucking early. Thank God Billy isn't drinking um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, you sound great. I celebrate your band, and I love that you always come and visit me because I love the band so much, and I respect you guys not only for some of your opinions, but also because of uh, the longevity and the amount of music you put out. It absolutely blows my mind how great this band is. And uh, the only thank thing God. you left out, Howard, is how great they look. <laughs> yeah, these sons of bitches are doing. They're drinking the blood of some baby or something. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, uh, you guys do look youthful. I got to admit. Are you oh working my out? Goodness, uh, I yeah, I take good care of myself. I, I yeah, do my are best. you vegan or something? I mean, what's going on? No, not vegan. I mean, I you know, I I run, work out, and like I do that pretty much every day. So, and uh, but no. My mom looks really young. It's, she's 91, and she... He could still be singing at those nursing homes. I, I know. Still... I could get him a gig. Eventually, someday. Yeah. <laughs> he, he might end up. You don't yeah, know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> life's strange like that. Well, I'm yeah, getting closer I mean... in age to being in one of those nursing homes. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's pretty fucking scary on my end. Yeah, boys, I don't know how much longer I'll be around. I hope this isn't the last time I see you, but yeah, I'm going to try and come out. visit us when we're in the nursing homes. Yeah, we'll come yeah, man. <laughs> I still have a few of my own teeth, though. I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, over 75 million records sold. That's pretty good. When you put your head down on the pillow, that's something really nice to uh, to think about. And uh, and Trey looks like he's uh, working out in the gym, too. He looks like he's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Baba Booey. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and Mike looks very young. Uh, thank God. Let's thank Mike's mom for kicking him out of the house at 15 and putting him in Billy's house because all that Thanks, great mom. music might not. <laughs> thank your mother. Shame on you. Yeah. <laughs> She's still around your mom to see what happened to you. She, she is. We actually, we actually have a pretty good relationship. She's, uh, she, she's got, you know, she's the one to give me my sense of humor and, uh, my sense of reality. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. And uh, your first base. Yeah, and my first base. You know, that was the one thing my mom always oh, said. You know, right. I remember my stepfather took my guitar away. I got in trouble. He goes, "That's the only thing he has. Don't ever take it away from him again." Wow, she stood up for you against your stepfather. She, she did. She did. She realized what it meant to me. But didn't that first base only have two strings? From what I read, it had two strings. <laughs> I mean, let's not compliment your mother too much. You know what I mean? I mean, two string bass. <laughs> it got me half the way there. <laughs> you know how hard we had to work to get that third and fourth string. <laughs> yeah, how many, how many old age home gigs did you have to do before you were able to afford that? <laughs> it's awesome. Well, you guys, you, you you guys are awesome. Uh, what can I say? Thanks for doing this. You know, I love you for doing this. And uh, come see us again. 
Um, and uh, and I'm going to really try and come out and see you on tour because I think it's going to be a great tour. Let's do it. So, uh, come out, yeah, real honorary guest. What are you going to do Thank now? You, you guys going to go home and go to sleep? Is that is that the plan? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'll probably take a nap. That sounds pretty right. good. A little nappy. I like that. Green Day takes a nap. That's yeah. a big headline. <laughs> go All make right. some snow. All three of us in the same bed. <laughs> yeah, of course. Just like the Beatles. Yeah. And, uh, Hard Day's Night. Yeah. It's awesome. The monkeys. Uh, thanks, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having us. You bet. Bye-bye. It's always a pleasure. A fabulous Green Day in their new album. And uh, that was fun, man. I love seeing those guys. Ah, uh, so good. Well, you know, the band sent me their album, um, before they came in and I was listening uh-huh. to it and it's like, wow, this is, is this really as good as I think it is? You know, cause you like, you're like, well, at some point they run out of juice. Right. You're you know, at home but, alone uh, and you're <laughs> yeah, not like, sure. <laughs> like maybe, maybe this one's a clunker, but it's not. It's really good. Ah, <laughs> oh, meaningful, but uh, what fun. So good. Yeah. A lot of fun to see those guys. Green day, everybody. Yeah. All right. Um, we did enough show, Robin, more than a, too much show. This should I count think, as seven yeah. shows. This is, this is, you know, we did more than you deserved. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody deserves this much show. And we'll, and we'll see you on Monday. Bye. All right. <laughs>